Wilkeman, uh to episode 90. I, I, I immediately want that back. I immediately Who's Wilkeman? Well, Wilkeman is, is how you say, I think it's welcome in German. Oh, I thought you said Bill Cummins. I don't know who no, that is. No, that's uh, that's we're going to talk about that later. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now that was it was an awkward open, and I apologize for it. But frankly, we don't have the budget for another take, so it's just that's that's going to have to have been how the show started. So uh, we apologize, but sorry, folks. What you get is what you get, and you can't throw a fit. That's what my mom used to say. Whoa, um, that yeah. rhymes. It does rhyme. That's how you know. Oh it was man. Brilliant. Fanny's <laughs> dropping sick beats all over the place, dude. If you put a, if you put a beat behind shit my mom says, you would have a number one album. <laughs> Absolutely, you can't throw a fit, and that's what you get. Oh yeah, <laughs> I would buy that. I would buy that record for sure. <laughs> Any of the listeners who who, know, who know my mother would it would too. I think I think it'd be a popular album. Um, <clears throat> let's see what is, episode number ninety seven of the SoCo Show is here. Uh, he is Seth Ott, and I don't know who I am yet. Uh, folks folks who, are, who listened to last week's show will know uh, I, I was last week a failure of the new release exam for the month of June. So this being the first episode of the month of June, uh, I will have a new stage name that I'll have to carry all the way through the end of the month. And uh, Seth, for, for June, that, that stage name will be what? Well... We've talked a lot over the last uh, two or three weeks, whether it be on the podcast or uh, personally, about a certain movie, and that movie's Booksmart. Um, you're yes, a big is. fan of that movie. You do love that movie mm-hmm. a lot. Uh, you listen to best the soundtrack a lot. Yeah, and I was going to say, it's probably the, it's the best movie you saw in May for sure, and like I said, the, your favorite movie of the year. So I figured since you love that movie so much, and you've been talking about it so much, that I, I, would, I would, as a favor to you, have your name related to that movie in a way. So to to play off of the last time I won with uh, the act actress name, this time it'll be the director's name. This month you will be Colivia Wild. <laughs> I I love that. I I will be I will be Colivia Wild for the entire uh, the entire month of of June. Colivia Wild sounds like a I I don't need we, we I just felt the need to have that noise play behind Colivia Wild. She did a stellar job. We, I, I should say we, she and I, since we share a name now, we share all of our work. <laughs> and uh, we did a really great job on that film. And uh, also, <laughs> we can get it too. <laughs> no. <laughs> Co-Livia Wild. I, I might keep that one going into July. We'll see. But uh, we will find out at the end of this month when I do the new release exam for July. So... Stay tuned all month long for more from Colivia Wild, which actually I just it, I, it just occurred to me Colivia Wild will be our name for the big 100th episode, which is going to be fun. Uh, <laughs> so that's coming up in just a few weeks. Um, but for now, it's episode number 97. What do we got going on today? We got a few movie reviews, a uh, big movie weekend. Uh, the TV recorder, the TV corner returns. TV uh, recorder. TV recorder. We're going to. Uh, we're going to have an update on a story out of movies that we spent uh, some amount of time on a few weeks back, so we're excited to touch on that, and uh, all sorts of other good stuff. Mamba number five, of course, uh, making the quota, and the return of a segment we haven't done in a long time. I'm going to describe the plot of a horror movie, and uh, I will reveal what that film is later on in the episode, or you can cheat by looking at the uh, the description box if you want to know what it is ahead of time. But it is it is one that I'm very excited. As soon as I got done watching it, I was like, this movie is getting described on the podcast. So I will be spoiling the entire plot of a, of a movie 
later on in the episode. So stay tuned for that and check out this time timestamps as well so you don't get spoiled. But um, lots of lots of fun stuff to get into. We're going to start, though, like we always do, with chic tweets. I call you a punk. Right now we have... Uh, it's, it's it's perfect time of year. Um, you know, the weather's getting getting really nice and uh, everyone's spending time outside. But another tradition is to stay inside is the uh, the spelling bee, the national spelling bee, oh, yeah. uh, something that that you aspired to be uh, in one one day. But you never got there. So you suck. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> My dreams of spelling bee glory were dashed. It's true. You were you were on a major stage, though, at, at uh, at least state. Swelling bee, right? Yeah, I was in two different, uh, two different state. Well, it was two different organizations that put them on, but it was the state spelling bee where I could have moved, moved on to eventually go to Scripps. Um, but there was several more levels be- between me and then. But um, yeah, those that was the highest level I ever made it to was the state of Iowa. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know that's sad because most people don't even have teeth in Iowa. So, <laughs> but Iron Cheek, uh, not not only is he, you know, a great. Pop culture commenter, uh, sports commenter. He loves commenting on the spelling bee. So, Iron Sheik says, "How you spell legend? I R O N S H E I K. Hashtag spelling bee. That is that is goddamn right. That is true. That is true. I am the queen. I think. (laughs) Yeah. So, however he spelled it is it is E I K. And so, as as much as anything else, what we learned here was how. First of all, the definitive. Here's how you spell the word chic. So if you didn't yeah. know, if you don't yeah, know, okay, yeah. now you know. But also, uh, Iron Chic breaking a very popular spelling bee rule, and that is that I should come before E except after C, which uh, which did not in that case. So he breaks backs, he breaks the backs of his opponents, and he breaks the rules of the English language as well. So <laughs> that's a hardcore motherfucker right there. I call you a punk. Let's shout out our sponsors. First of all, audibletrial.com slash SoCo. Hit the link in the description box, and you're going to get 30 days of Audible and your first book for free. <laughs> I'm really excited. I, I pre-ordered, um, I've talked about this before on the show, the Off to Be the Wizard series, Magic 2.0, has its fifth, I think, book coming out, and I pre-ordered it, and I'll be getting it this week. So I'm very stoked about that one, and I'll, I'll report back on whether or not it's any good. So, uh, again, hit the link uh, to get the get the free bonus. So uh, what else dumb. we got here? <laughs> we have uh, Mathis Designs, Etsy.com slash shop slash Mathis Designs for all your stationary and graphic design needs. Cha-ching! And of course, Mike's Wood. Mike's Wood's awful sweaty in the summertime now that the weather's getting warm. But uh, <laughs> if you want to check it out, Etsy.com slash shop slash cornfed and wed. Oh. <laughs> Did you just throw at the mic like that kid in Booksmart? Kind of. <laughs> yeah, that's what he was doing. Booksmart is going to feature heavily on not only this show, but every show we do later on because it's a great fucking movie. Okay, what's next? We got a couple bits of television news. That's what she said. TV. So one thing uh, that I just wanted to kind of shout out, make sure everyone is aware of, uh, Ava DuVernay, which is how I say it. It might be DuVernay for all I know, but um, she has 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 a... Uh, a limited series that just released on Netflix this past Friday called When They See Us, which is based on the the uh, Central Park Five, which is a group of five black teens who were wrongly um, arrested and convicted of a uh, as an assault of a young woman 
in um, Central Park years and years ago. So this is about that. It's kind of the, um, you know, the dramatized version of like the trial and things like that. And from what I hear, all, all early indications is that it's very, very good. Um, but uh, so that, that's, that's at the top of my Netflix watching list right now. And just wanted to kind of alert people to the fact that it is now out. So you can go watch When They See Us on Netflix. Another show that uh, I have I have followed. You have you have not watched this though, Seth. But I would recommend it to you. Is Silicon Valley on HBO, um, and it is it's the story of a, a startup tech company and the the various things that happen to it. And it's very very heavily comedic. So I started watching it at the same time I was watching Veep, and it's got a similar like it's very roast heavy and kind of that type of humor, very dialogue driven. And uh, what we found out this week was that uh, Silicon Valley is coming to an end. The uh, Is it the fifth season or the sixth? Sixth. The sixth season, which is coming out sometime in 2019, I don't think there's a release date on it, will be the final season of Silicon Valley, uh, which I think makes sense. You know, if, you, if you've been following the show, I think it makes sense that they bring it to an end around this time. Um, but uh, yeah, big, big year for HBO wrapping up some critically acclaimed series and Silicon Valley will be the next one. But I, I do, I repeat, I, I recommend Silicon Valley to any folks who have HBO, uh, especially you, Seth. I think it's right in your wheelhouse. Nice, tight 30 minute, uh, pretty, pretty, um, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for. Simple, pretty simple comedy. Hmm. So, uh, but it's got some really funny stuff in there for sure. You had me at tight. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, that's nasty. <sighs> this fucking guy. <laughs> uh, that could, those, that's, that's in the running for title this week. The, you had me at tight, yeah. And we're going to get flagged for fucking sure. That's uh, that's going to be it for the headlines this week in TV because we, we want to get back into... We had, a, we had a real flurry of TV corners a couple of weeks ago and then no no TV corner last week. So let's, let's give the people what they want and get back into the TV corner. Television! Down on the corner... Nobody so this is an Amazon original uh, that you've been following since the beginning. So this, I think, is this going to be season three of this show? Yes. So this is one that you've been, I think this is another, you've reviewed now every season of this show um, on the TV corner. So let us know what you thought of, of this one. You didn't say what it was yet, did you? <laughs> I, no, I thought I thought you might. Okay, um, I yeah, I lost my train of thought for a second, and then uh, I couldn't remember if you had said it. <laughs> so yes, this is uh, Sneaky Pete, um, which is an Amazon original. One of one of the reasons why I've kept my Amazon account. One of the two, I guess, uh, with that and uh, old Miss Maisel. So Sneaky Pete, season three. For those who have, well, I guess I mean I've reviewed him before, but who haven't watched it or forgotten, Sneaky Pete is a show about Marius Josipovic. He's played by Giovanni Ribisi. He's a con man, and so the last two seasons he's been acting like he is his former cellmate Pete, and he, <laughs> where Sneaky Pete comes from, and uh, Pete has this family that basically in the first couple seasons Pete was using to help his other cons along, and but he's actually over time kind of become become close with them and, and stuff like that. At the end of this last season two, um, Pete, so there'll be minor spoilers here to come talk about season three. Pete or Marius is found out by one of the members, Julia. She's played by Marin Ireland. Um, you've seen her in some decent amount of stuff, but she, uh, she finds out that he is not Pete. And so the season kind of starts with them to have, obviously having a, uh, fr- having friction in their, their relationship. She's like, get the fuck out of here. You're not Pete. <laughs> And so she's she's all mad about that, uh, rightfully so. But everyone else still, you know, thinks that he's Pete and the family. So through a series of things that happens, um, 
she can't tell the family that he's not Pete because it would screw some things up. Anyway, that kind of sets up where this season goes. Um, because Julia uh, wants, you know, wants to get back at, at Marius for everything that's going on, she kind of gets hooked up, and she's also she has some legal trouble and not money, not much money. She, she, the base of the season is her working for this um, other, basically for this guy who was screwed over by by Marius a long time ago. She's trying, she's worked in almost in a con on him to try and get some money and to try and get him in trouble and stuff like that. So. There's there's that storyline that's going on where this 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 guy who's been screwed over by by Marius is trying to but he doesn't know it's Marius. He Marius has this uh whole other con that happened a long time ago. It's a little confusing, but that where he wasn't the person named in it. And so he's he wants Marius to find this guy that screwed him over. His name's um uh, Saul Rubinek, who's actually a Canadian actor, which I thought was kind of funny that they did that. But <laughs> There, there's that con going on where it's going to end up in them getting a bunch of money and blah blah blah, and he does. Uh, Marius doesn't know that that um, Julie is is trying to screw him over. So there's kind of that going on. There's another side storyline where this girl that Marius was involved with, uh, I think her name's Lucy, comes in and is. They were Marius at one time was kind of more of like a he he like was way more ruthless. So he didn't care if people got hurt. And stuff like that. Now he's kind of, you know, he's grown up and, and, you know, cares about people. So she is kind of trying to bring him back into trying to bring him back into that type of that mentality where he is, you know, a a ruthless guy. And, you know, it doesn't matter who gets hurt in the long run. And he's trying to bring her into the light. Um, So that's kind of an interesting struggle because all that gets brought into this storyline and then also into the third storyline, which is with the family. Um, So the family that he's been involved with they have like this bail bond business um, that they've been running for years. It's a family business. And so Lucy gets involved with them through that. And then also they have this thing going on where, so the, the two Marin Ireland, Julia and this uh, other girl, Carly, Carly, I think her name's Carly. She, um, they, they have, and then actually the brother too. Uh, there's another brother. They have a mother who died in a car accident, but they are thinking there, there's, They've been told that she may may be still alive and she's in California. So they all, a bunch of them get out, go out to California. A few of them go out to California early on and they kind of all join on later. So there's like all these pieces going on that end up coming together in a really nice way uh, in like the last half of the season. Um, So it's, they do a really good job in this show of keeping track of storylines, making sure they they intersect and making sure they, they all work together. But at the same time, still keeping them separate and not making them feel like they're forced together. It's really, it's really interesting and really, really good writing all of the, because now we're in season three as well. They all, they, the characters all are fully comfortable and fully into what they, they need to be while at the same time they, you know, throw little, little variation, throw little pieces into their, into their arcs that, are just different enough, but not too different where it feels, you know, feels like cheap or, you know, just forced in. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's, it's one of those shows that like, because it's a, it's a con show, like there's running the, basically there's, there's like kind of every couple episodes, there's like a con that's being completed, but there's overall one big con in there too. They do a really good job of working the story along from point A to point B and, 
and nothing feels wasted in it either. I think the only thing that I have that really was kind of a negative for this season, there was one like love triangle type thing that went on early on in the season that got ignored later on. I didn't really like the angle, but at the same time, that was maybe the only thing that felt forced and felt kind of weird for the overall thing to, to make a conflict in, 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 in a little bit of the family. But other than that, I mean, the, the, the stuff, especially with, with uh, Marius and Julia was amazing because of that whole thing with her knowing and stuff like they, they had a really good rapport throughout the season. Um, Giovanni Ribisi and Marin Island are both really, really great um, actors in, in the first place, and they have really great chemistry together. So there's not a lot. I mean, I love the, the whole family. They all play a good part. They all do a really good job with their performances. The storylines are great. It's, it's got, it's, it has its, a rhythm now and a flow to it, and it, it, just, it just all works. It re- it's, it's really just a damn good show. So I'm going to give this 4.7 um, Sneaky Sneaks out of 5. <laughs> Snick a snack. I'm a snack. 4.7 um, <laughs> is, is very close to as high as we've seen. Um, I think we brought Barry in at 4.8, so, mm-hmm. and that might be one of our top shows, um, <clears throat> other than Maisel, of course, for you. But I am I'm excited to see because I think what a show like this, the risk is – you know, they start with a great premise in season one and deliver on that. And the longer the show goes on and they start to get away from that premise, then it starts to get crappy really quick. So mm-hmm. it's nice to hear that that is still working. And they, with the new wrinkle of, you know, like, ooh, someone's found him out, that it, it, it's keeping it fresh while still staying within the, the, the vibe or the, this general theme of how it started. Am I, is that fair to say? Yeah. No, because like season one was great. Season two dipped a little bit. It was still really good, but dipped a little. It just felt like that season was, I, there was just something, like I know the cons, there wasn't as many good cons in that one. It, it just wasn't entirely there, but season three kind of brought it back for a couple of reasons. I think it was good not having the entire family find out about, you know, him being, not being Pete, because that, that completely changes the dynamic of the show entirely mm-hmm. if you do that. Um, but having probably the second most important character in the show and Julia find out, that still added a lot. And so it was, it was a really cool, really, really cool way of doing that. And then having everyone in California, basically the bulk of the season took place in California, a change of scenery really helped for this season. Um, it made sense while they were all out there. Um, they added a few new characters that I thought really worked just having that because the, the show takes place on the East coast, um, for the first two seasons. I think it's like Virginia, if I'm not, if I'm, I can't hundred percent remember it, it was a little bit more darker out there, you know, like in terms of like just the, the way it looked it, you know, not, not as bright and stuff like that, but bringing it out to California, it just gave it a different aesthetic and, and it, it worked a lot. Plus I just love shows out in California because they, it always has that brighter aesthetic. It has a little bit more of a, a different, cause a lot of times when they go out to California and stuff and shows it's, it's, they, they don't like, it's more, more free. Like they don't have like their jobs and shit like that. So they're able to kind of not be in much of a routine, I guess a little bit more kind of like open for them type of thing and that that's what happened in this show they weren't like tied down to one thing they had to do like they didn't have to go work at the bail bonds place which is what they did a lot in the in the first the first couple seasons and, and stuff like that and and pete was able or marius was able to interact with different people so yeah it was it's great i love that show hmm. amazon prime you probably already have amazon prime most people have it um without even using the streaming part of it but you can go out on amazon prime and watch season three of sneaky pete uh, right, right, fucking now, and it gets gets four point seven sneak of snacks out of five <laughs> this week in the TV corner. 
Television! Down on the corner. Nobody puts baby in a corner. You do this thing. We talk about this a lot off air. Seth does this thing where he swaps the letters and, and makes it peaky sneet. <laughs> and it's one of those jokes that has gone too far because now that's what I think of as the title of that actual show. So Peak now Snape. you, now you, the listener, gets to think of Peaky Snate as the fucking title of that show. Peaky Snate. <laughs> uh, let's move forward. We're going to talk about uh, a couple things that we've been keeping tabs on in the realm of movies. Quiet on the set. Can we please have quiet on the set? Movies. So we talked a couple weeks ago about Batman and about Robert Pattinson being cast as Batman. And <laughs> we, we, Seth and I are both in support of Pattinson playing Batman. So <laughs> we, the two of us were very excited to see this headline. Uh, Pattinson this week was confirmed to be the official cast uh, for Bruce Wayne slash Batman in Matt Reeves' upcoming film, which uh, sounds are, this hasn't been officially announced, but sounds like will be a trilogy or a potential trilogy of Batman movies. So we are, of course, stoked about Pattinson getting confirmed. Uh, the internet, I think, honestly, dude, so I don't know if it, it probably wasn't us that did this, but the the internet is coming around on Pattinson. I think that since the original announcement that he might be coming on, um, a lot of people have been sort of evangelizing and saying, like, go watch these movies of his and you'll see what we get, what, what we're talking about. I think more mm-hmm. people have done that and some of that vitriol has cooled off, which is welcome news. Yeah, and uh, what's even more uh, exciting is the anticipation for who they're going to cast as Robin. <laughs> <laughs> I should get Tiffany Haddish. <laughs> Let's talk about the Lion King. No, uh, the the posters were some posters were just released for the upcoming Lion King remake, and um, basically they it featured in detail sort of the new characters. So each poster is one of the characters sort of looking out at the camera. And like it's it's sparked this whole thing where people are like kind of pissed about the character designs, which seems really silly to me because like the character design is real lions, but people are complaining because the lions don't show enough emotion in their face, <laughs> which is like, <laughs> which do you want? Do you want realistic looking lions or do you want like if you want to see like a hyper emotional, like just watch the original fucking lion. like this movie is maybe not for you. And so I guess folks go go look at the Lion King posters, which I think are awesome. And I, mm-hmm. I love the character design. And let us know on the tweets what you think about um, about Mufasa and the gang. Uh, I'm really excited. I, one of the things that I'm pumped for here is um, Timon and Pumbaa. I think is is I, I like their look. And Billy Eichner and Seth Rogen I think are going to be hilarious. So I, I'm stoked for the new Lion King. Man, the more I think about it, the more I'm 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 totally on board. Oh yeah, I've been pumped for a while. There's there's definitely going to be some tears coming out of that one. I think. Oh yeah, um, Seth's going to be squirting. Yeah. Oh yeah. Whoa, she's a squirter. Um, <laughs> oh, no. Um, and I really hope that we get the Seth Rogen laugh out of, out of Pumbaa. Oh, there's no way we don't. <laughs> that was really good. Was that was that a sounder? Did you do a sounder? I did, yeah. Wow. That was impeccable. It was amazing. <laughs> My name is Seth. <laughs> My name is I get, Seth. <laughs> I, that, I, that, that is one thing, like... It was definitely like post high school. I would get when I'd meet new people. I'd get that quite a bit. Oh, like Seth, like Seth Rogen. I'm like, yeah, we both have that fucking first name. What do you want me to do? His laugh too? Like Jesus Christ. 
That's a, that's so like not an uncommon. Be, if your name right. was Beyonce, and they were like, "Oh, like Beyonce," then yeah, of course, duh. But like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, your name is Mark. Oh, you must be like Mark Hamill. No, it's just a <laughs> fucking name. Yeah. So then people would make me ask, ask ask me to do the laugh, and then if I didn't, they would like call me a little piss boy or some shit like that. So. <laughs> That's where you got the nickname Little Piss Boy. I thought it was because you pissed yourself all the time. Well, that too. I mean, I was pissing myself when they asked me to do it. I get so nervous. So, <laughs> All right. You can follow Seth on tweets at Little Piss Boy on mm-hmm. Twitter if you want to see what he's got to say. Uh, let's though, let's talk. So our, the, the main the main story we want to talk about in movies this week relates to to Rotten Tomatoes. And we're going to talk about what we think of, of Rotten Tomatoes. But Seth, they, they've been in the news recently. So catch folks up to what's been going on with them. Well, their big story there, I mean, there's a lot involved with Rotten Tomatoes and, and, you know, they've been heavily criticized, um, you know, for a while now, for a little while now. Recently, they kind of changed up and something I actually just did today even, um, they changed up the way their audience reviews are. So Rotten Tomatoes is owned by Fandango. And now instead of having audience, audiences review, just general audiences review movies for the, for the audience score, you have to buy a ticket to the movie and review it uh, through Fandango and then review it through Fandango if you want the audience score to count. Um, some people have had some backlash on this because they're, you know, it's, it's all about like, you have to, you have to buy their, their service in order to review it. And, you know, it, Rotten Tomatoes is owned by Fandango because they're, so there's like, a, um, I don't want to say collusion, but there's, you know, like a obvious mm-hmm. advantage there. Um, I know that Fandango has also also opened it up to, um, or Rotten Tomatoes has opened up to AMC and and others now as well. They're just working through deals and stuff, so I'm sure that will broaden out as time goes on because they've had this criticism. But it's opened up that criticism. It's also you know people talk about Rotten Tomatoes in that it either helps or hurts movies, and it does in in certain ways. I, I would say in the overall scope of things, I don't think it's a huge impact, but it does help and hurt movies uh, based on the score. You know, some movies will you know, on their trailers. I remember the first one I ever saw for us, Baby Driver. It was at 100% for the longest time. Mm-hmm. So they would put that on their, on the, the you know, the TV spots and stuff. And even like long before the movie came out, because they wanted to say, hey, this has 100%. Um, so that that's a big thing. If movies have higher percentages, more people go to it. Don't 100%, you know, like with a movie like Booksmart, you know, that's at like 97, that has made no money. On the opposite side, like Godzilla is now at like 39%. And, uh, you know, a lot of people don't like it uh, in terms of critics that made a bunch of money because fans went to it and fans are, are, you know, a lot of fans are excited about the movie. A lot of fans like it. So there's kind of discrepancy there. And that's kind of like what, what, what I want to talk about with, with Rotten Tomatoes anyway, because personally I'm a fan of it for certain things. Um, I, I use it as kind of a guideline instead of like a Bible, whereas a lot of people will, you know, say they use it, you know, some people will use it as a Bible and, and instead of a guideline, you know, wh- whether or not they go to a movie. So it's an interesting like thought process behind Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, because it's I think everyone's got their own. So like my system for Rotten Tomatoes is probably I, I think about it even less than most folks do. Like if I am on the borderline about whether or not I'll go to a movie and it's getting like fucking 10 on Rotten Tomatoes and I'll say, OK, maybe that's not worth my time. Mm-hmm. Um, but really anything that's. You know, things that are 90 and above, I almost am leery of. I'm almost like, oh, well, now it's overhyped and now I'm going to not like it. Um, so I would say, like, I'm not I'm not more likely to go to something that's 90 plus than I am to go to something that's 60 plus. You know, I, I, I use it more along the lines of, like, was I going to go to this movie already? Yes or no. 
And if the answer was no, but it's, you know, a high ranking, then maybe I will, you know, so it's, it's all very, it's all very loose with me, but if something is like 10% or less, then I'm probably not going to go see it even if I had originally planned on. But my favorite span of like rankings is actually from like 40 to 60 where mm-hmm. like not everyone liked it. And so if a movie like, if a movie I, I am anticipating seeing like a, specifically a horror movie, if it's between 40 and 60 and I'm like, oh, you know, uh, clearly it's, you know, some people are liking it, some people aren't, it's divisive. And so I'm excited to see what I'm going to think of it. You know, whereas if it's 90, I go in expecting to like it. So I either end up disappointed or feeling stupid because I didn't get it later on. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what 90 plus does for me. Um, Now, I will say Booksmart is 90 plus for a reason. Everyone should go fucking see Booksmart. But so mine is more like if I've already decided I'm going to see a movie, there's not a lot that's going to deter me from doing so. Um, more if like you or, or Jared at Jared Buckendall is saying like, totally <laughs> avoid this movie. I'm way more likely to listen to someone I know tell me that than mm-hmm. I am the Rotten Tomatoes score. And I think the beauty of Rotten Tomatoes, at least at the early part was like, the whole thing was like based on a yes or no, would you recommend this movie thing? And I think it still uh-huh. is to some extent, but like, it, so the, the base thing is, is like, oh, so two thirds of people who went to this said they would recommend it. That, that makes sense. That's a reasonable scale to put things on. But I think, you know, with the, um, the, the spamming and the fake reviews that so many people were, were making on like star Wars and captain Marvel, which is what they're trying to fight with this new rule, I think has kind of muddied that water. And so I don't know. I think I paid more attention to the fresh versus rotten than I do the actual number. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. And I, I think I have a pretty similar thought process as you do. I mean, I guess Godzilla, for example, I only went to it because I had to use <laughs> I had to use a five dollar uh, credit that expired that day for, from from the Fandango thing. So I because I've gotten I didn't really want to see it that much anyway, to be honest. And because I had gotten you know lower scores in Rotten Tomatoes, I you know it was at I think at the time I decided to go it was at like forty one, and I think now it's at thirty nine. For me, like that's that 41, I was like, I don't want to see this anyway. It's 41%. I can probably just skip it. But I didn't, um, you know, because I had that. And I went, I'll talk about how I felt about it later. But, you know, it's, it, it is, like I said, like I said, it's a guideline for, guideline for me. Um, I, depending on the movie, like it was a movie I wanted to see and I was at 40%, then I'd still probably go. But if, like I said, if it's at like, you know, 30, 20, whatever, I probably won't go. Um, but where I think we differ on like the 90s is that's how I go to these indie movies that I go to. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm so I, I there's the the art house theater, I pull up the website and see what's coming soon. I then will look up that on Rotten Tomatoes. And if it's generally 60 or above, I will try to go. And if it's 90 or higher, I will 100% go. Um, I'll, I'll make time to go see it. Now I have time, so I'll usually go to these anyway. <laughs> but uh, but uh, you know, like that ninety percent, like if it's at ninety percent, I'm I'm gonna go to this thing. I, I can't miss it because you know, it, especially with what I found with these indie movies, is that if they're rated that high, they're rated that high for a reason. You know, people are raving about it. Um, I think maybe with like your Avengers and your big blockbuster movies, that might be a little different because you know, just a lot of those movies have have different things that people want out of them. Mm-hmm. And I think that even goes back to that debate of you know. <laughs> how people react to movies but you know there, there's like you said there's there's something there that can probably let you down with that movie um and book smart i even throw into like a more of the indie category yeah. you know oh, because totally. it, it is it is a smaller film but 
I, I use Rotten Tomatoes as a guideline uh, for the for the most part, uh, you know, minus maybe that ninety percent indies thing that I'll make sure I go, if, especially if it's something I want to see. But I've you know I've gone to stuff that I haven't necessarily wanted to see, and and that is ninety percent. And I've been like High Life's not a movie I necessarily would have went to, um, you know, if, if it had only like seventy percent, but it had ninety, and I'm like, all right, let's go, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I'll go for it. Yeah, I, I use it in that way. What do you feel though? How do you actually? How do you feel about? the the new rule though do you you know do you think it's fair for Fandango who owns Rotten Tomatoes to make people pay to go see a movie to review it or so, do you think do you think that it you know people should be able to be able to review it no matter what and maybe have another way to to prove you went to it or something like that yeah I think that that is exactly what I what I was gonna say is is I think that in and in time I know they will you mentioned that they're expanding out to like AMC and and uh, some of the other bigger ones I I think you should have to prove you saw the movie because it's very easy for me just to go dump on a bunch of stuff that I never even saw, um, you know, before I, you know, without even having seen it, just to, just to tank it for a reason that's political or whatever the hell else. Um, so I, I do believe in, you know, prove that you saw the movie in order to put your review on there. I think that they, in order for it to keep its integrity that it has, I think you need to expand that beyond just Fandango users, though, because there are, there are often, I mean, there's reasons, too, why you might not use Fandango. You might go to the theater and buy a movie. Or buy a ticket, mm-hmm. you know? And then, okay, I went to the theater, I bought my ticket, I can't review it on Rotten Tomatoes now? Like, that right. stinks. And I think the problem that that raises is peop- it may shift the people who contribute to Rotten Tomatoes in a direction they don't want. You know, uh, it could be that a lot of honest, happy moviegoers who would have otherwise reviewed Rotten Tomatoes now can't. And now more mm-hmm. of the people who can are people who intentionally bought through Fandango so they could shit on a movie. You know? Yep. So... It, it may end up having a result that they didn't want, but I do like the idea of requiring a ticket purchase, even if it's not through Fandango, in order to review the movie. I think that makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, I agree. And the thing that kind of bugs me about that that whole thing, though, is like because there was an up, you know, there was an uproar about it, and people, the same people who were like mad about, you know, I have to go pay, you know, I have to use Fandango to to review this. This is bullshit, collusion, whatever. Fake news. Um, they, they, those are the same people who are complaining about all of these, you know, people spamming reviews, or maybe they are even the people doing the spamming reviews too. Mm-hmm. Um, where you know, like the Captain Marvel stuff, like you mentioned. So it, it, that's that's just the annoying state, you know. Could people people want a solution, and they, you know, Rotten Tomatoes, you know, gave them a solution, <laughs> solution, and you know, while you know it's not the not the best solution, it's still better than than the alternative. Mm-hmm. And and so you know people were freaking out. I I don't know. You know I I think that's what's nice about the Fandango thing though is that they like remind me to <laughs> to to do the review because like when you're done with the movie, the Fandango thing pops up and says, "Hey, what'd you think?" And then yep. you can do a quick review. That's really nice because normally I wouldn't go out of my way to do it. Right. I would just be like, oh, I don't give a shit, and then you know go on with my day. But with with this, it actually you know allows me to do it, and I can give my thoughts real quick, and you know there we go. So I, I like that, you know, and, and, you know, I probably will use, continue to use Fandango for that now, especially knowing the rewards thing. Um, so, <laughs> it, you know, it, it, I think it's nice and, and, you know, it's kind of cool to give your opinion. I don't really care that much. I don't honestly look at the, the audience reviews because there is so much, so many people who just randomly spam it. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's some of those people who are critics too, who purposely will give stuff a bad review. I've clicked on stuff before, like the a person who gave the first person who gave Booksmart a negative review. I clicked on their thing and went through a list of their things, uh, of their reviews, and it was like random indie I've never heard of in my life, foreign movie, 
Um, and then there'd be like one blockbuster that like Avengers, they gave a negative review to for being like too, you know, too big. And, you know, uh, you, you'd had to see the other movies to, to understand it, blah, blah, blah. Did the same thing for Booksmart, childish, you know, uh, sophomore humor and stuff like that. So they're giving positive reviews to all these like, you know, really art house films and being like, this is a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. And then, the, then they review like some of these bigger movies and like dog shit. So like... <laughs> Those are those type of people who purposely review stuff to, you know, it's not it's not the type of movie they normally see, but they purposely review it so they can get, you know, some press and stuff like that. You know, can can get a little bit more fame and notoriety from it. Yeah. Dumb idiots. I will say this. Um, I, I like that about so and I and I don't know how Rotten Tomatoes was for fan reviews beforehand, but um, the ability to tie a review to a person, I think, mm-hmm. is important. Um, because then you can go see that, you know, if someone's shitting mm-hmm. on it, you can see, oh, they always shit on stuff like that. I think if, if I hope that what they're doing now allows for them to track your reviews. So I can, as a person, if I'm reading your audience review, I can click on you and see what else you liked because someone's taste and someone's other preferences for movies is so important. Like I know you have like, here are the film reviewers with whom I tend to agree. And so I trust them yep. more. You know, and when I talk about like I, I've more, more often I'm going to accept someone's opinion. If it's you or Jared, I'm going to accept your opinions more because I know you know me and my preferences. Mm -hmm. And so like the vast, like 99% of all reviews probably just shouldn't matter to the average person because they don't know what your, uh, what your movie preferences are. Mm-hmm. And so if I can click on someone who shit on it and find out, find out like, okay, why they shit on it? What else do they shit on? Maybe I shouldn't listen to this person at all because their taste is so much different than mine. Then I think that's helpful too. And I like that about tomatoes from the critics standpoint. Um, and I, I, I'm just unfamiliar with whether or not they do it for audience members, but I think they should. Yeah. And that's the one thing I was going to bring up too is, yeah, I, I have, and I think everyone should kind of really have this when it comes to movies is a set of people or a set of reviewers that you trust and that, you know, you know, like you said, the taste whether it be vanilla or chocolate and oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Think about ice cream again. <laughs> Think about ice cream again. Sorry. Um, so, but you know, ha- have that, uh, that you have, you have that, um, you know, the, the similarities and thoughts of, of how, you know, how they review movies. And if, if you know, if they don't like something, you know, they're the, we mentioned before, like the, there's a, YouTube channel Collider, which a bunch of people on there, I, you know, I listen to daily and a lot of them, there's a few that I really trust. So when I see the reviews coming or their thoughts coming out of a movie, then I'm like, oh, okay, you know, that sounds exciting. I'll go see it. And a lot of times my thoughts align with theirs. There's other, you know, reviewers on Rotten Tomatoes that I'll see when I'm, scro- you know, looking at the reviews and be like, okay, they thought this. Cause a lot of it too with Rotten Tomatoes is sure they gave a positive score, but is it, you know, just barely positive where it's fresh? I think depending on the, the rating scale, like if you rate out of five, it has to be at least a three. Mm-hmm. Or I think it has to like at least be a B if you use like a letter scale or like, you know, that type of thing. Um, so it could be just like this movie is just fine. But because I'll, everyone thought that movie is just fine, it's at, you know, 90 percent or something, you know. Right. So yeah. that's the other thing is a lot of people just see the number and then they'll be like, oh, no. But a lot of times they won't go and scroll down and look at the reviews. And that's another thing where, I, you know, I get a lot of, oh, OK, maybe this is what I'll think about them or this is what I what I'm excited to see in the movie. Because they, you know, wrote like, oh, this perform like with Ma, for example. Okay, score, it's like 61%. But I was like, it's not necessarily a movie I want to see. I scroll down and look at the the reviews and it says Octavia Spencer gives a great performance. I'm like, okay, I want to see that. I like her as an actress. I want to see if there's anything that I want to see out of this movie, it's going to be her performance. And so, that, you know, I went to that because of that. You know, if, if it would have said she sucks and the movie is still at 60%, I would be like, eh, maybe I don't want to see it, <laughs> you right. know? So 
there, there's just so many variables. And I think like the, the, the casual audience will often just see the number and be like, nope, because that's what Rotten Tomatoes says. And I think that's what a lot of people complain about mm-hmm. is that and when it comes to Rotten Tomatoes. So I just think it, it also comes down to like how, how deep uh, you want to look into it as, as someone who you know watches movies, wants to go, into the, go to a movie. Or if you're just a casual viewer, viewer and that's all you want, you want to go see a movie that a lot of people think is good. You know, that's, I don't think that hurts anything either. Right. Yeah. It's an interesting thing to have to, and you and I see way more movies than probably we should and more than the average person. So like, Mm -hmm. you know, we, we have to kind of, um, make selections based on what our priorities are. And I think that most, I think everyone has those, even if they don't think about them. And I think if the more people that are knowledgeable about what they actually want out of a movie, uh, and how they react to it, like, I'm not going to go see Dora and the hidden forest or whatever the fuck that movie is and give it a shitty <laughs> review because that's not, that's not movies not meant for me and my taste. You know, mm-hmm. it's the same way that you're not going to go to, well, you're going to more horror lately, but like, you know, you're a whore. Yeah. Your, your opinion and my opinion of the same horror movie would be very different because we just, we mm-hmm. look for different things. And that's generally most movies in general. Uh, I might mm-hmm. hate a movie that you love that's happened. So I think it's important that folks don't just take the number and say that's whether that's that's what I decided on. You know, I think I think it goes deeper than that. For some people, that you know, that's plenty, like you said. But I think the more people that are, if you're going to be a person who is reviewing stuff, I think you have to take that into account for sure. So you what think do you, we should? Uh, go ahead. I would say I I, I was thinking um, after seeing these last few movies I've gone to. You think we should do? Um, I know we already have we have our you know um, I like it or um, I love it or I hated it, but. Oftentimes, when we talk about movies, we use three words specifically. Either it was uh, like excellent or great or something along those lines. Um, it was fun. Fun is often used, mm-hmm. or it was but. <laughs> um, we often use that movie was but. So maybe we should use that as our as our review instead of having like two thumbs up or something. We should go either but fun or excellent. <laughs> I uh, make sure you put a comma between but and fun. Um. <laughs> well, I was gonna say um, it could be excellent but fun. <laughs> It's the name of Seth's uh, first debut album that's coming out <laughs> later this year. Uh, excellent buff on. I, I'm in support of that. Yeah, because I think it's just like you said, when it's binary, it can be very hairy, you know, because if it's bi- <laughs> if it's if it's binary, then I give Rocket Man the same review that I give to Godzilla. And there's a big gap between how much I enjoyed those two movies. And that's so um, I think it's important and we tend to give context around ours. But yes, I agree. Like. Uh, when there's more context put around it and more, you know, um, when there are more options, you know, like if the letter scoring and B minus means something different than B, you know, I think that that is certainly helpful for sure. So we're going to have some butt, excellent butt fun that's not going to be hairy. <laughs> God. Uh, let us know out there. What do you think of Rotten Tomatoes? How do you how do you use it to decide whether or not you're going to go to a movie or how do you use it? Uh, I, I, for one, I try not to look at any reviews, including Rotten Tomatoes, before I see a movie. If I've already decided I'm going to see it, then I'll just go because um, I don't want it to change, you know, my expectations. So, like, what are what are some of your what are some of your your bugaboos? How do you use Rotten Tomatoes? What are your cutoffs? Do you not see any movie below seventy? You know what? What are some of the ways that you use the site? Let us know on the tweets at underscore Cody Michael at Seth Oat or at Soco Show Pod, uh, so that you can connect with us and let us know what you think. From there, we're going to keep it in the realm of movies for the rest of the show, actually. And uh, we're going to go next to Making the Quota. What's your name? Fuck you! That's my name! (laughs) My name is Inigo Montoya. And I quote! Seth has a quote. 
I just belched a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were doing like a song of some kind. So has a quote. <clears throat> yeah, so has a quote, and he's flying. He's he's sailing in a boat. <laughs> and a dick in his you throat. Say flying in a boat. <laughs> I started to say flying in a boat. What is that? Uh, spirited away. That you can. Anyway, that's all getting cut. Um, no, it's not. Seb has a quote from a movie. I need to guess the movie and the character or the actor, whoever said it. Uh, what do we got? What do you got for us? I'm going to let you know. That I'm going to redact a name from this so that okay. you don't get it because it'll give it all away, all away. And I'll let you know when that name is redacted. Okay. This is the maintenance closet name redacted. This, <laughs> this, this is the most cliched hiding place you could have chosen. This is the stupidest hiding place. <laughs> um, so I do know this. Um, <laughs> And I just love this. It's a great scene. Um, I'm assuming it's not in another movie, but I think it's uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2, and it's said by you Andrew Garfield's Peter Parker. You are correct. All right, yeah. That's a good scene. It's him and Gwen in the closet. They're hiding in Oscorp, and uh, it's really cute. It's, I think in that, one of the things that really works about Amazing Spider-Man and Amazing Spider-Man 2 is, is the Gwen Stacy-Peter Parker dynamic. And uh, in the second movie, that scene specifically, like, really gives that to you in a way that's that's very cool. And so it's very it's very much more impactful when the climax of that movie happens um, because Gross. you have that background. Yeah, there you go. Climax. Oh, that's nasty. So that is a great quote, and uh, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm d- I've done I've done well these past couple of weeks. On mm-hmm. um, so wait so we we revealed last week to to my sh- <laughs> to my to my utter shock that. Uh, <laughs> That all of the quotes have been connected somehow. Uh, it, it was it was uh, it, it was good you weren't wearing pants last week because you would have just had your pants shocked right off you. Yeah, you know, I had to clean my chair off, but that was easier than oh, God. cleaning the pants. <laughs> what was none of that explosive diarrhea? <laughs> what was the connection between this week and last? Who who else, who remember who the quote was last week? I don't. I can't remember what, what it was from. Well, then you you have to go back and find it out. Oh Christ! I'm not going to tell you. So what was the was it Baby Driver? No. Uh-huh. Oh, it was Baby Driver. It was the movie last week. Uh-huh. And who who said the line last week? Oh, Bats. It was Jamie Foxx, right? Amazing Spider-Man uh-huh. 2. That's what the connection was. Okay. Yep. That's fun. That's fun. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have, uh, we have Andrew Garfield uh, talking sweet to, <laughs> to Emma Stone's uh, Gwen Stacy. We got to do one of these before we go on. Um, America's Sweetheart. America's... Not America's Sweetheart. No, she's not. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll have one day. We'll have to have that debate on the show and get people to vote. Uh, but that that will not be this week because we're finished with this week's edition of making the quota. What's your name? Fuck you. That's my name. <laughs> my name is Inigo Montoya. And I quote: One of this week's movie releases was Ma, and Seth is going to release that in uh review that in a few uh, minutes here but i'm just, i don't know what happened i just totally fucking lost all my mojo uh as it relates to speaking anyway ma is coming out this week ma is a horror movie about just a regular old lady no uh, no no crazy supernatural alien zombie shit going on in that so we decided to uh count down our top five horror movies that are non-supernatural, so the secular horror movies. So let's jump into that. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mumble number five. So we have blocked off ghosts, zombies, what, like vampires, werewolves, that kind of thing. So anything that's like outside the realm of the actual possible, I guess is the best way to put it. Like, is that is that fair? How's a better way to maybe explain that? Yeah, and I just realized I totally had one that in the end 
You know what? I'm gonna keep it on here because okay. that's not the main horror of the movie. So okay. fuck it. So these are these are scary things that keep you up at night because they could actually fucking happen to you. Uh, yeah. Yes. Um. And there'll be some caveats here. A little bit of a little bit of posturing <laughs> to make it work. <laughs> but uh, but uh, we're gonna count it because like you know that that's not the I'm gonna say the the main scare of the movie is not like a you know ghost goblin ghoul you know stuff like that. It's there there's. I'm going to say, like, because with most horror movies, or pretty much all horror movies, you have to suspend some sort of dis- disbelief. Right. We, we excluded Aliens as well, just just because, at least as the main thing, and I'll, I'll clarify in one of my things here, but because, you know, Aliens could happen, you know, but we just, there. I think that's, a lot of those are just a little bit too maybe out of the, the realm, right. at least for thoughts, so, yes, but yeah, that that's, that's the exclusions. Okay. This will be a good one. Uh, this actually, so fan, people who know me well and people who are listeners of the show know that I, I do have, um, I, I've been vocal about some of my favorite horror movies of all time, and some of them will appear on this list, but in an order that is new. I had to give a lot of thought to some of my favorite horror movies, and I think there may be some surprises in here uh, for me specifically, so I'm excited to get into it. Number five. I have at number five a movie that honestly is a mediocre horror movie, but I love it and I think it's fucking terrifying. Uh, when a Stranger Calls is mm. what I have at number five. And honestly, it all comes down to just that one line. Um, and this actually, this is something that I find is common in the horror movies that I like. When there's the, the, the moment where you realize, oh shit, I'm in trouble. Like that moment has to be the 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 balance beam of your entire horror movie and when a stranger's mm-hmm. calls when he has have you checked the children <laughs> that line as the inciting like oh crap now we're scared is among the best ever and so i love that movie there was a remake in like 06 that was like fine um, but the original is even older than that and it's also just a classic horror just like story to tell a person like vocally um mm-hmm. so when a stranger calls i have it number five because that i i have been home many a night alone and and had that fear uh, go through me so that's why I got it at number five see I, I haven't seen that one and that's kind of, kind of the thing too with, with my list I don't watch I don't watch a ton of horror like you know like we talked about and I've been getting into it more over the last couple of years so and a, and a lot of you know a lot of movies over the last few years have been more supernatural horror movies mm-hmm. um, so I've kind of had to like I said maybe just tweak things a little bit or you know kind of go I'm not going to have as much of the depth of a library as you when it comes to the uh the horror movies so mine aren't going to be traditional you know <laughs> maybe what you put in this list maybe some will be but um so my number five is and again this this is the one that there's um probably yeah, more a, po- little bit. <laughs> a little bit but not a ton because it doesn't happen till the end when you see a little bit more it's I guess an alien in this case 10 Cloverfield Lane Ah, yes. Oh, this is such a good fucking movie. And uh, so the reason I have this is because the horror of the movie really more is John Goodman and Mary Elizabeth Winstead, you know, like that, that whole thing. Yeah, there's like the unknown of what's going on outside, but he could like the whole thing of the movie, too, is like, did he make this up? Mm. You know, and that that's kind of the horror of it is is the you know, is 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 what's going on? Is it real? And um you know, this guy's crazy and keeping me in his, you know, shed and all that stuff. So, um, that, that's why I'd say more, it's, it's not as much of a horror, you know, a, a supernatural horror movie because John Goodman is kind of the scary part of it. So, um, yeah, definitely a great movie. Um, it's because it's all contained in that. It's really just like kind of a, a really fun, ex- uh, uh, acting like 
you know exercise almost like with those two it's it's really fun to watch um i liked it a lot it's so good and i i accept your argument for allowing it on the list and also i remember going to this in the theater and they had that the volume in that bitch cranked up to fucking 40 <laughs> yeah. and it was even more scary whenever something loud would happen because it would hurt your ears it was so loud yeah it's the first that's the yeah. only time i ever remember that being the case and uh, also it's just a great movie it's a good one to watch at home too the only time it ever was louder, I think, was uh, when we went to see uh, <laughs> um, Blade Runner uh, 20, oh whatever the sequel is. Holy shit, that was loud, and it didn't help, because it no. was loud and like a consistent, <laughs> like, sound. I honestly think that movie gave me a panic attack. I think it, <laughs> I think I, I think I had a mild panic attack in that movie. <laughs> I hear, and I, over the last few, I know we're getting a, a brief tangent here, but it's brought, it's been brought up a decent amount in some podcasts I've listened to. And it's funny. Cause like, again, some of the critics that I, that I agree with a lot, they even say like, I didn't really like that movie. You mm-hmm. know, like there, there's a lot of people who say it's a masterpiece and it's the best movie, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but then I, I've been hearing more and more people lately say like, you know, it's either it's fine or it's just not good, you know? And I'm like, yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's one of those, um, Mad Max Fury Road is another one that you and I were like, okay, it was fine. But then like other people are like, this is the best movie ever fucking made. And then I can't, I like, I can have a conversation with you about it, but I'm never going to get to that level on on those movies. Mm -hmm. Number four. Number four is, and again, this is this movie specifically because the series would go on to include some supernatural elements. This is where I put Halloween and, um, you have it at number four we, also? Uh, we're, we're, no, we are going to kick that can. Oh, okay. All right, let's kick it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, We might kick the can up. Are you talking about original Halloween or yes. 2018? Yes. Original. Okay. Orig- then, we're, then we are the same. So you're, you're number okay. four, please. Yeah. My number four might be a can kick. Uh, the original Saw. I don't have Saw, but that's one okay. that, I, that I, I, I guess I should have as an honorable mention. I didn't consider Saw. Yeah. Uh, and it's more... I mean, it's gore horror, so I wouldn't say traditional horror. I never really am scared, was really scared. In this I mean, there's a couple moments like jump scare stuff. Mm-hmm. But even back when I was like, you know, in, in you know, my, my early teen years and stuff, when, when the first one came out, which is weird to say, they uh, they, they never really scared me. It was just kind of one of those like, oh, you know, type things. But yeah, the, the thing about the first one, because the rest of the movies are just, you know, if, if we were reviewing them, they're butt. Um, this one I would say was more of a fun, probably because of the twist. Mm -hmm. Um, they they did a really good job with the twist where you're just like, what? And that, that was the fun of it, you know? And, uh, you know, along with the, you know, I guess some of the the effects and stuff, but the fun of it and what I thought made it, you know, a relatively good movie was, um, because of the twist. Yeah. Saw was one of the first movies I watched. First horror movies I watched that I loved. And so Mm -hmm. I, I credit a lot of my, my horror my love for horror now to, to that movie. That's what one of the movies that put me onto it. So number three, I think people, you, you Seth may be surprised. And I think other people who listen to the show may be surprised because I have the strangers at number three. Mm, I thought that'd be higher. Exactly. That has been, I, I have reported for many a year that it's my favorite horror movie ever. And upon reflection, there are a couple that, that top it. Um, as I think about it now, uh, but the strangers is fantastic. I've talked about it at length on this podcast. It is classic home invasion and what's scary about it is there's no real reason, right? They just come in and, and you know, are, are, are terrorizing people for no reason at all. And I think that there's something extra scary about that. And, um, you know, th- there's great jump scares in it. There's great just creepiness. The Again, the moment in this where they realize they're in trouble is amazing. 
and mm-hmm. uh it's just top to bottom a fantastic horror movie i go back to it often and um it's not not, not maybe not my number one favorite anymore but uh but it, it's still very high up on my list yeah hey, i thought that'd be higher um yeah that's one i've never gone and watched because uh you know it, it sounds <laughs> terrifying you. the well, way you describe it i've told you everything about it too so <laughs> yeah i think i know what happens at like the 23 and 42 second mark 23 <laughs> minute 20 42 second mark um, I can probably tell you, you know, everything happens in, in exact moments because of how many times I've heard it. Still fun to hear, though. Oh, yeah. My number three is a movie that we watched as a group uh, on Netflix that I really liked a lot. Yeah. Um, uh, do you know what I'm talking about? I do. Yeah. I have it as an honorable uh, mention. Okay. Hush. Yep. Um, which is the, the movie where she is deaf and uh, there's fucking people... There's one that I wanted to put on here and I just completely forgot. Damn it. <laughs> asshole. You're an asshole. <laughs> you suck, Seth. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be an honorable mention, though. I don't want to change my list up. I could have replaced it with, could have replaced 10 Cloverfield Lane with it, but. To this make is it what more this mature. is what you get for sucking. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> my butthole just tightened up. <laughs> So no, Hush, where she's deaf and it's like a home invasion type thing. And they do some really cool shots in that movie. There's a lot of tension in that movie. Um, and it was super fun watching that in a group with people. It was a pretty decent amount of people we watched it with at, you know, at our house. We had the lights off and you know a lot of, a lot of hand stuff going on. You were sitting next to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was good. It was, it was good. Um, I climaxed right at the moment where she stabbed a guy. So it was mm-hmm. cool. The only thing I didn't like about that was the sticky hands I had afterward. <laughs> Hush well, is great, though. And I think still... We were having caramel corn, so... Caramel corn. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think it is. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. I don't I don't think it's a Netflix original movie. Um, maybe it was, though, because early on when Netflix was doing that stuff, um, when they were buying movies, they didn't necessarily say Netflix original movie. It was just kind of like, you know, this is on here. So it mm-hmm. um, wasn't until later on, later on when they started promoting themselves when the name got huge, but... Um, so maybe it was, um, but yeah, I th- I'm pretty sure it's still on there because it's, it you know, it, it was, uh, it's one of those that you know, has always had a decent little following to it, so. Oh, yeah. That one's a r- really underrated, really good, just top to bottom, just really well-made horror movie. Number two. I have at number two, Scream. Poop. The first Scream. Oh. And okay. uh, it's, I, it's a horror movie that I love. It's a different kind of love than The Stranger's. Like, I, I think Strangers is definitely a scary movie, scarier movie than Scream is. But I, Scream has the comedy. It's got the um, the sort of tongue-in-cheek, like, self-aware that it is a horror movie thing of it all. And on top of that, it's pretty fucking scary. And there's, again, there's a moment in here in the early part with Drew Barrymore where she realizes, oh, shit, something's wrong. And it's very fucking scary. This is pre-cell phones, so there's a lot of phone-based scary stuff going on. Again, kind of similar to When a Stranger Calls. What's your favorite scary movie? Exactly that. And Scream is just one of the quintessential. I think I think a lot of movies that have come out since owe a lot of their success to Scream. I think it's influenced a lot of stuff afterwards, and and I love it. It's another one of those that I first watched around that time. I was probably thirteen or fourteen when Saw came out. That I was like, fuck, maybe I do like horror movies, and I want to watch more. Was uh, Scream Wes Craven? Yes. Okay, that's what I thought. He even boom. He even appears in the movie. Like dressed basically as Freddy Krueger, he's he's like a throwaway uh-huh. background character. He's a janitor, and he's dressed like like Freddy Krueger would be dressed. So it's a fun kind of. Um, Easter That's egg. funny. Yeah, I think Jane Silent Bob are in like the third one from Kevin. Are they really? <laughs> yeah, um, my number two is the Halloween from earlier. Oh, yeah. um, that's uh, 
the yeah the, the original one. I mean, I love the the new one that they came out with that followed very similarly. Um, that one tracking shot when he goes, I don't, I don't know if you remember it because you were hammered. <laughs> the tracking shot where he you know he goes into the person's house uh-huh. and uh, you know stabs him to death, and they keep the camera off when he's doing it, and then you know walks back out through the everyone trick or treating and stuff. That it was a that was a really good movie. I loved the, like the throwback feel to it and stuff. Anyway, the original one though we watched, I, I watched for the first time in entirety in its entirety because I'd seen you know pieces and stuff like that. The, but the original Halloween I watched like the night before we saw the the new one, and uh, that, that, that's a damn good movie. Oh yeah, uh, it's, you know it, it's really. I mean, you you talked about um, how Scream and and that type of thing can owe a lot to horror now, but you can really attribute a lot of that to the original Halloween. Mm-hmm. You know, like that was that was such a game changer when it comes to um you know horror in especially the 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 slasher stuff but it really is because it's it is slightly supernatural in the fact that he can you know get shot a billion times and still you know be alive (laughs) um but it's really i mean he's just like a messed up serial killer when it comes down to it you know and uh it's it's a lot of the shots are just so creative in both movies you know the 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 mask shot where he's killing his sister in the first one like that's that that's so inventive and Mm -hmm. and different even now like you don't see a lot of stuff like that now you know it's it was just such a unique shot no one wants to copy it because it was so good Mm -hmm. that's the thing it was just it it all around was you know it wasn't a very expensive movie either i mean you know back in the day it wasn't one that people were like waiting in anticipation because they saw the trailer or anything it just you know gained a huge following and everything so um yeah it's it's an excellent movie it's fucking dope, man. I can't say enough good things about Halloween. I'll just I'll just leave it at you did you did well, and I it makes me <laughs> very it, it makes me very happy that you love it because like I've oh, I've been trying to get you onto horror for a long time and like the fact yeah. that you love Halloween, which is one of my favorites ever, uh, makes me very happy. Number one, I think we might have the same number one. Is it Get Out? It is Get Out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this was one where I was like, I don't know. Like, I even we were texting. I'll, say, I'll, I'll let you blow this one. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what are the? Uh, I was like, what are the? When I originally asked you, we were texting. I was like, what? What? What are the guidelines here? Can I? I literally asked, can I include Get Out? Um, uh-huh. Because you know, there's there's kind of the well, the twist ending of Get Out is a little bit supernatural, but I think you can qualify it as scientific science. Yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, what what to say about Get Out? It, it's it's brilliantly executed there's fantastic shots in this from a cinematography standpoint there's a great score which i think is going to go on to be a signature of jordan peele's movies because us had a fantastic score also um Mm -hmm. the performances in here are fantastic the one shot of that woman who's basically freaking out um for a while just straight into the camera is amazing there's you know you see in here the genius of peele not only from his writing but from his directing as well and the performances back that up and there's great twists in this. You never, you can, you can start this movie. You can be the smartest movie person at all and start this movie and not guess how it's going to finish. And I think that is awesome. And it's of course got the great message in it and stuff like that. And I think a lot of people want to blow it because of that. But even just from a, an execution standpoint and a great horror movie standpoint, even if you stripped away the social commentary of it all it's still just a great fucking horror movie and one of my probably my favorite horror movie to come out in the last handful of years but uh yeah i mean everybody loves get out i don't think we need to evangelize too much to it did i miss anything no i think you perfectly filleted that movie (laughs) i uh if get out were a person i would fillet that person i think that's fair to say (laughs) and not fillet like you know steak like yeah fillet like you know as in how adults say suck dick 
Yeah, suck dick yeah. to completion in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I want a mouthful to get out. Oh, that's nasty. Um, I have an honorable mention that's not on either of our lists. Uh, Hush was one of mine. And then another movie called Bug, which Mm -hmm. I think is a William Friedkin movie who did The Exorcist a million years ago. Um, Bug Bug is about this this couple who's in a hotel room. And basically the entire movie, I think it's also a stage play too, but it's a paranoia horror movie where they are led to believe that they have been infected with bugs like inside their bodies. And the movie mm-hmm. is them descending down into this psychosis where they're freaking out because they think there are bugs in them, but they don't know for sure that there are. And so it's this total psychological thing. And I'm, I, it's been a long time since I've seen it, so I can't even remember what the resolution is at the end and whether or not it's real. But the whole thing is about just how they drive themselves crazy. And there's not really a scary bad guy, but it's like so interesting to watch them kind of descend into madness. And it, that shit freaks me out because you, you don't, you can't control whether or not you go crazy. And, um, bug is a really good example of that. I watched it on Netflix years ago. I don't know if it's still on there anymore, but it's very good. I'd recommend it to folks. I think you've talked about that before. Um, maybe not on here, but, um, yeah, doesn't sound like it's for me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't think so. Um, one that we both saw in theaters that actually both of these we saw in theaters, this one less so, but I thought it, could fit the the description and i thought it was fine the original purge um Ooh, yeah, that was kind of more of a you know more of a, a horror based movie um but then the one that i that i should have put in um at least at five was your next you remember that one yes i was i almost uh, did put that on because it's so similar to the strangers but i prefer the yeah. strangers so i left off your next yeah and and your next is more um because like the first half or so from what I remember is, is a traditional horror. And then it flips when she gets, you know, gets to go and kill all these people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's when I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it's awesome. Cause the twist of the yeah, movie is the twist of the movie is, Oh, she's not a damsel in distress. And then the uh-huh. second half of that movie is, is a totally different movie than I expected, but it was fun. It's such a fun uh, movie. It was, it was awesome. And, uh, yeah, the, the gnarly, the, the, the gnarly kill with the, God, the blender, oh, the the blender. Yes, I love that. I still remember that to this day. <laughs> oh, I was like, yes, <laughs> oh, that is that's gross. Yep, but it is a good movie. You're next. A lot of lot of great films on here. You're um, next. You're next. And uh, a lot of great movies on here. If you're into horror, check them out. If you're not, fine, I guess. <laughs> but that is our list of the top five non supernatural horror movies. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mumble number five. I am stoked. We're going to actually keep it in the realm of horror because I'm going to describe the plot of a movie here in a second. Uh, the movie is called The Perfection, and it's on Netflix. And, uh, and I'm, going to, I'm going to basically tell you, I'm going to tell you how it goes. Ah! <laughs> What's that? Did we record that on the, the keyboard too? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, um, before I start, I'm going to give a heavy spoiler warning. Um, but be, if you, if you're waiting for spoilers, hold on a second. Cause I'm going to tell you just briefly what I thought of this movie. Um, this movie is very twisty. Uh, it's pretty well acted. Um, but not like no one's winning an Oscar for this fucking movie. It's very twisty and it's got some pretty disturbing shit in it. So you're going to want to check out does the dog die.com to just, you're going to want to know what you're getting into before you go watch this movie. But I did enjoy it. And I would recommend fans of horror to watch it. Um, So it's getting a thumbs up from me. 
Uh, I had a really fun time watching it. Uh, so go check it out on Netflix if you like, but I'm not going to really say anything else because I think it's best going into naked. Um, and so, uh, check it out if you want to, if you don't, if you don't want to watch it, or if you ever have watched it before, uh, then stick with me. But if you're going to watch it, I'm going to spoil literally this entire movie. So skip ahead. We'll put some timestamps in the description box. Um, so you can avoid spoilers. So, um, I'm going to get into spoilers. I'm going to describe the plot of the perfection. S P O I L spoil. Soiled it. Soiled it. Soiled it. You ruined it, and I'm leaving. <laughs> okay. So. Um, so, so yeah, if you, so again, if you don't want to be spoiled, you want to go in naked to see the movie. Cody is going to clothe me right now. I'm not going in naked. So. <laughs> Yeah, get so, that get those underwear on me right now, boy. <laughs> all right, Seth, put your panties on and let's get them twisted. Okay, so The Perfection is this movie. Again, it's on Netflix. Um, it's got uh, Logan Browning, who you may recognize from the series Dear White People, which I love. Uh, so she is in it. And then Allison Williams is in it, who was, again, in Get Out that we just mentioned. So it's those two. And the movie centers around Allison Williams. She is a, a former cello prodigy. And she, apparently her story is that she was a a prodigy as a kid, went to this cello academy and was in it for a long time and was like really great and was going to be like the next huge cellist, huge cellist. Their mom got (laughs) sick and she left the school so that she could be with her mom. And then her mom was sick for several years and then died. And the movie picks up with her, the mother having just died. And then the Allison Williams wants to get back into the world of celloists. And so she reconnects with her old school. And when she goes back to the old school, she meets Logan Browning's character, who is, she is the new, basically the new Allison Williams. She's, she's a little bit younger. She's the new hot shit. Everyone is so in love with how great she is at cello. She's the, the, the prized student of this academy now. And so they meet and they're judging a competition. And uh, they, they start off a little awkward because they're both like, I mean, there's kind of a competition between them, not in playing the cello because Allison Williams doesn't really play it anymore. She just wants to be a judge and a teacher. But there's a little bit of a rivalry there because they both want to be the favorite of this, you know, the head of the academy, this guy. So they start off with a little friction, but then they start to kind of evolve that into, like, they kind of fall for each other. And they start, you know, having some giggles. They start being a little sexual tension there. And then they go out for this night out. They get drunk and they party and they're dancing and stuff. And they, um, you know, they end up in a lady fucking. <laughs> and while all that's going on, like during the, the montage part that is her night out with Logan Browning, you kind of see in some shots that um, Allison Williams has some scar marks on her arm where she's, she's cut herself in the past. And um, so you, you, right there, you're like, oh, okay, like Allison Williams might be a little off kilter. I got to keep an eye on this chick, you know, but the movie is, is framing her as like the, again, the innocent protagonist. She's a little bit more shy. Logan Browning is very confident. She's very like, she, she really leads the way in terms of the like, let's fuck stuff. Um, so she's, she's really more aggressive and a stronger personality than Allison Williams is. And so they go out, they shag, and then they're going to, um, the competition that they've judged is now over. So they're going to go on a vacation together. And so I wake up, they're hungover, and um, th- by the way, it's a, and this is gross, but like as sex scenes go, pretty, pretty great sex scene. Like I, it was a very, um, it was an erotic scene that was well done and it was, 
it was hot, I guess is what I'm trying to get at. <laughs> so if you if you want to watch a hot scene with two girls, then this has a great one. I'm just being honest, man. Okay, I can't dance around it. So well, clearly you couldn't get through it. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> so um the next morning comes and they're they're getting ready to go on this this bus together and go like this this is happening in China. And they're gonna go from one China. one part of China to another on a bus together. And um they're like all they're like all hungover and sick and stuff. So they wake up and they you know, they're drinking water and taking aspirin and stuff, and then they they chat and they have some some lovey conversation. Then they go get on this bus. They have some lunch and they're traveling and they're traveling and all of a sudden, um, they see in one of the like one of the stops that they make, they see this guy, and he is like he's like screaming for no reason, and his nose starts bleeding, and then he throws up, and and then he like passes out, and then like a whole bunch of people get around him, and are like, oh my god, like um, he's sick, get a doctor. So they see that from afar, and then they hear someone yell like, oh my god, he might have picked up that thing that's going around. And so what you find out is that there's this disease that's going on in like South China that is, that is, you know, really harmful. And Logan Browning is like, oh shit, like I was just in that part of the country. Like I, it makes me nervous. I hope I'm not sick. And so fast forward to them on the bus and she starts like, she's been really hung over today and been complaining about like a headache and her stomach hurts. But now she's like really intensely doing that. And she's getting like pretty sick and pretty angry about it. And she starts getting really crazy. And um, she's like, hey, you know, like, God, my stomach is on fire. It's killing me. And like, oh, my head is pounding so hard. I got, I'm, I'm freaking. She starts getting really fucking freaking out. She's like screaming and shit. The bus driver is trying to kick him off this bus, but he speaks only Chinese. And so they can't communicate with him. And so it's this whole thing. And Logan Browning does this very well, where she's basically just totally freaking out. You know, she keeps taking just like a shitload of this ibuprofen that Allison Williams has and is like, oh my God, like, um, just give me it all. And Allison Williams is like, you shouldn't probably take that much. It's like, it's going to make you sick if you keep taking that. And uh, she's like, I don't care. Like, I, and she starts at one point like banging her head against the side of this bus because her head hurts so much. I mean, really fucking freaking out. At one point she's like, she's like, oh my God, I'm going to, I'm going to shit. I'm going to shit my pants. <clears throat> and so they, they finally like get the bus stopped. And, uh, cause she's trying to communicate again with this Chinese guy. She finally gets him to stop the bus and she goes off and she like has to sit down and shit on the side of the road and it's all nasty and gross. And then, um, she cleans her up and she takes her back onto the bus and she's like, my stomach is still so in pain. I'm in so much pain. And then she, she throws up on the bus and, uh, we look over at her throw up, which is kind of like on the wall. And there's these little like, like maggot bug type things in them, in it. And Allison Williams is like, oh my God, like there's fucking bugs in there. Like that's so gross. And the bus starts freaking out. Everyone is like taking out SARS masks and putting them on. Logan Browning is now freaking out. She's like, what the fuck? There's bugs in me. What the hell's going on? And they get, they get kicked off the bus. The, the guy's like, you, you were kicking you off the bus. They're in the middle of nowhere now. And um, they're walking around out there. And Logan Browning is still freaking out. They're trying to walk to the next town. And... All of a sudden, she starts having another freak out. She's puking up some more. Now the bugs aren't maggots that she's puking up. They're like bigger, blacker bugs, like beetles. And she's like, what the fuck? These bugs are in me. And now she's like grabbing her head. And she's like, the bugs are in my head. I'm freaking out. And then she looks down at her arm. And her arm is like crawling. 
And mm. this is the scene where like, if you Google this, it'll say like people, people throw up watching this movie. Like it, it's pretty disturbing. And this is why I wanted people to go look at the, does the dog die thing? Cause this is really gross. Like you can see that something is crawling around under her skin and she's freaking out about it and like trying to scratch through her arm. And she's kind of like making herself bleed. So Allison Williams is like, don't like, you know, quit doing that. You're going to hurt yourself. Cause she can't see the bugs. And then, um, all the, you see them kind of like, they start to like come up out of her skin, like dig out. And it's really fucking disgusting. They start to dig <laughs> out and then they all kind of crawl up her arm and they're on her hand. And, um, and Alice Williams is like, Oh my God, like they're all on your hand. Like get them off, get them off. And she's like, I can't get them off. Cause there's so goddamn many of them. And then, um, the camera goes over to Allison Williams and she pulls out a, a fucking, um, a cleaver, a meat cleaver. Mm. and and she's like you know what you have to do get rid of the bugs and she hands this cleaver to logan browning and she fucking freaks out and she hacks her hand off to get rid of the bugs yeah and they're all like what the fuck like everyone's freaking out everyone's screaming and uh everyone everyone's yelling and stuff and then it kind of cuts to black when she swung the cleaver it goes to like three weeks later three weeks later logan browning shows up back at the cello school she's been missing this whole time shows up back at the cello school and her fucking hand is gone. And the cello boss is like, what the hell? Where's your hand? And she's like, okay, here's what happened. Like I had this night out with Allison Williams. I woke up the next day. I was really (laughs) sick. All she's like, all I remember is waking up on the side of the road with no hand and felt very sick. And then someone came and, and found me. Allison Williams was gone. Someone came and found me and took me to the hospital and told me that there was a shitload of drugs in my system. Turns out the aspirin that Allison Williams had been giving her all day was drugs. And so hmm. now you're like, oh shit, like is Allison Williams a bad guy? And then it does this really cool thing where it does this rewind, like back through all the events of like everything that's gone on so far and then replays them like quickly in montage form. And you can see that like she intentionally gave her bad drugs that she originally had for her mom. And she, she gave her a bunch to drink because she knew that the side effects of which uh, among them were hallucinations would increase by having drinks. And then you see her like grab the cleaver off of like a, a thing that they're walking through like a restaurant um, before they get. So you see her have the cleaver and um, and then you see her all the times that she shit and puked um, when they were like, oh, my God, there are all these bugs in there. There weren't actually ever bugs in there. Um, hmm. Alison Williams was lying to her to freak her out and she was like um, gaslighting her the entire time trying to make her think she was nuts so that she could eventually get her to cut her hand off mm. and so you're like oh like you know she got her to cut her hand off because she's jealous because she's the new hot thing and now Alison Williams has disappeared what happens too is because she can't play the cello anymore because she has got one hand they kick her out of the school which is the place she's been living since she was a teenager so she's like what the fuck now I don't have anything I'm going to go track down Allison Williams and kill her ass. And so she goes over, um, ends up finding her, sneaks into her house, hits her with a taser, and then um, throws her in the trunk of her car and takes her, to, uh, takes her to the school. And the guy who runs the school was like, he, they had gotten in a fight when he kicked her out. And so um, Logan Browning is bringing Allison Williams to the school so she can be like, here, I brought you the bitch. Now we can kill her because not only did she take away my hand, but like I was your prize student. So she took something away from you too. And the guy's like, all right, yeah, good idea. Like let's take her inside and fucking kill her. Um, so you find out now that this guy's somehow like also a sinister weird dude. So they take her inside 
and um, there is this, um, you start to learn now more about like the school and how it works. And they've got like this, um, they've got this thing that they do where there's this one room in the school that's like acoustically perfect. And so the dream of all the students there is to eventually be good enough where they'll let them play in that room. And, Mm -hmm. um, and, but when they play in that room, they're expected to play whatever they're playing. They're expected to play it perfectly with no mistakes. That's why the movie is called the perfection because you achieve the perfection by playing this song without any mistakes in this room that is acoustically, acoustically perfect. So you found out that like, that's the main goal of this school and Allison Williams and Logan Browning both had done that in the past. And so that's why they're like the special students of this school. So you kind of find all that out. And then, um, Allison Williams kind of comes to, and they're getting ready to, they're getting ready to offer or whatever. And, um, what you find out then too, is that, so she wakes up and she's like pleading with Logan Browning to like not do this. And then she explains to Logan Browning in that moment. And then we, as the viewer find out that what happens if you, if you're playing in that special room and you miss a note and you make a mistake, then you get punished. And the way that you get punished is the head of the school and his like, his like group of other dudes that run this school, they tie you up and rape you if you, if you fuck up on this. And so, yeah, it's crazy. So what you find out is that the reason she cut off Logan Browning's hand or had her do it was to get her away. She was trying to save her from this school because Hmm. that's what's been happening to Logan Browning this whole time. And so what they're going to do now is they've tied up Allison Williams and they're going to, they're going to, you know, um, actually, no, they don't tie her up. They tie her up to a chair and they put her in, um, in the room. They put her in the perfect room and they're like, you have to play the perfection right now. And if you don't play the perfection, you're going to get punished. And then they're like, accept, we're not going to punish you. And then they bring in this like 13 year old girl who is in the school and they, they don't, they don't say anything, but they just sit her in there in the front row so she can watch her. And the girl is like all excited. She's going to watch Allison Williams. And, um, she's like, you gotta be fucking kidding me, dude. And the guy's like, nope, do it. And so she plays and, um, she plays and she makes a mistake and, um, they're like, all right. And you see the guy kind of goes up behind this little girl and kind of is rubbing her shoulders or whatever. And it's, it's utterly fucking creepy because that's what he's been doing to all these young kids this whole time. And, um, she goes and she, she plays her song. She makes a mistake. And then she begs him. She's like, let her go. Like punish me out. Like do it to me. That's fine. Um, just don't, don't do it to her. And the guy's like, okay, fine. I'll do it to you. So now Allison Williams is all tied up and he's going to, he's about to go to town. Um, but what he, I shouldn't say it that way. Um, he's about to do his thing and he's like, okay, he's like, I want last. So all you guys go ahead first. I'm going to be in the other room waiting. You guys go first. So she's tied up. These guys are kind of coming in on her and Logan Brown's like, no, I want to go first. And she like holds up her stump hand and she's like, um, I like to use my fingers is what she says. She goes up like she's going to put her fucking forearm into this woman. And um, about the time she's reaching up under her dress to do that, the two guys that were in the room just like fall down. And uh, it's revealed then that they were poisoned mm-hmm. and that Logan, Logan Browning and Allison Williams both had been plotting this whole thing. And they had poisoned both those guys. And then so she unties her. Oh, and at that point it does another one of those rewindy things. And it rewinds to the two of them in her house when she tased her before she kidnapped her. 
And she then it was at that moment where she actually explained to Logan Browning what was going on. And she was like, oh, okay, you did save me. Now let's go kill this fucking guy. So now it's the two of them. Everyone else is dead. Um, I think they even have to like shoot a couple other guys. And then they get to the last guy. And he is like, I don't know, says a bunch of dumb shit to him and they get into a fight. And there's this one really gross shot where he swings a knife at Allison Williams and it goes like into her forearm, um, like a stab would, right? So instead of like a slash, it's a stab. And then he drags it down her arm and cuts this trough. Yeah, he cuts this trough down the middle of her arm and it's horrifying. Icky. They eventually get the upper hand and they knock him out. And he wakes up and it does this really slow zoom out. And they have... They have have cut off all this guy's limbs. They've cut off his legs and his arms. They've sewn his mouth together and they've taken his eyes out of his head. And oh. so, yeah. And so all he his only sense now is is hearing. All he can do is hear. And so the movie ends with him sitting there and the two of them, Allison Williams had to amputate that arm that got stabbed. So both her and Logan Browning each only have one arm, but it's the opposite arm. And so together they can play a cello. And so it ends with him sitting in that room and they're sitting in the, that same acoustically perfect room playing the perfection and making him listen is how I guess they're going to punish him before they end up eventually killing him. And that's fucking how the movie ends. And I was like, what the fuck did I say? Because this movie is like, the synopsis just says a, a, a former prodigy returns to her old school where a new golden goose is. And that's like all they tell you. So like you are not fucking prepared for how this movie goes if you just read the synopsis. And that's, I think, the part that I love about it because it takes so many like twists and turns. And I was genuinely shocked uh, every step. Like when Allison Williams was shown to be bad and then when she was shown to be good again and then when Logan Browning was shown to be in on it and then when the rape stuff paint popped up, like it's all a, a satisfying surprise uh, when it all comes up. But man, was that a wacky fucking movie. Um, <laughs> and I was... I was I was pleasantly surprised by it because I wasn't sure what I was getting into, but I like those actresses and that's why I watched it. But that's that's fucking that's what happens that's what happens in the perfection. I bet you didn't guess that. I did not. <laughs> um, two two things. So um, the first is when when you said that you know they they uh, got the upper hand on him and stuff um, <laughs> before they you know before before they cut off his limbs and all that. Um, and they flash forward to that. I thought you were going to say it ends with, uh, you know, they take him down and then they go for a high five, but um, <laughs> they can't because the chick doesn't have a hand and they kind of do like a shoulder shrug and stare at the camera and then it zooms in and it says the perfection and then it ends like that. <laughs> I wish that would have been how it ended. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other thing, so while you were talking about it, I went to the IMDB page and was just kind of scrolling through the photos and I saw, the first one I saw, um, it was the the puke. Uh, with the bugs Mm -hmm. um and so as you're describing that i'm like okay that's what that is because i couldn't tell what that was i just saw some bugs and like this liquid stuff the second one i saw was the the roaches coming out of the the arm oh god um so that was fucked up because i hate roaches and then the third one i saw was the guy with his arms and legs cut off so i was like (laughs) it was kind of fun listening to you like put all this together with these pictures i saw it was like a little it was like a little uh little uh connect the dots story but with with uh (laughs) pictures it was fun (laughs) oh this movie dude like it is it's fucked and it's only like 90 minutes too it's a short movie um Mm -hmm. but i liked it and uh I think, you know, again, there are the people who are listening to this obviously know what happened. 
Um, but it might be a fun one to watch again to see if you can like spot the clues going along the way. Um, yeah. But I cannot stress enough, you have to have a strong stomach and you have to be trigger warned before this, obviously, um, in order to enjoy it. Because I, I totally understand why people are throwing up during it. The, the, the thing you'll see most common is do not eat while watching this movie. It's going to ruin your dinner. <laughs> um, and I, I, uh, I, didn't, I didn't read anything beforehand that said that. But I was like, oh, this is a scary movie. I typically don't want to watch scary movies until I'm done eating. So I ate my dinner and waited to to watch it until afterwards. And I was so fucking glad that I did when the shit started crawling <laughs> out of her fucking her ass and her arm. Anyway, it's got one of the one of the best lady sex scenes I've seen in a while. But other than that, uh, there's not a lot appealing about it other than, you know, the obvious cool twistiness of it. But otherwise, it's mm. got some gross shit in it. Um, but I did like it. I did like it. And maybe others will, too. I don't know. But that's that 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 basically is what happens <laughs> in uh, in the perfection. I, um, I gotta say, I did a good job with that with that sound with the keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was. Uh, it does sound creepy. Well, okay, so you didn't do that with the keyboard. You know that, didn't I? I thought you were joking. So we did a we, uh, we did another one. We did a pre- previous version that had you doing just a chord, and then you would make it. Oh, okay. This yep. is an updated version. That sound, the sound in the in the one currently is from "Are You Afraid of the Dark." Okay. Yeah. 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 I I had a sound similar to that though. Yeah, it was roughly the same. I mean, that's what inspired the the choice to make that sound. Okay. So you you had done a good Never job. Mind. It just needed an update. Nope. Nope. Don't try and take it back now. It's oh, okay. it's fine. Okay. Ruin fine. my dreams. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, I'm out of breath, um, but uh, we still have more to do. We've got to do some movie reviews from this past weekend. Mom, what do you think? I love it. I hated it. Oh yeah. This was uh, an interesting week uh, for, the, for the movies. Um, we, the movies. We mutually saw three different films uh, that were theatrically released, but you you had a you had access to an early screening for an upcoming movie. I'm very interested to hear what you thought of this one. Yeah, the the early the early screening. I think it comes out. I think it's kind of has like a smaller release and then a bigger release. I don't know. Maybe it's in all theaters this weekend. I don't know. Uh, Late night, which is the Mindy Kaling, uh, Emma Thompson movie. So Emma Thompson plays Catherine Newberry, who is the host, been the longtime host of basically the Tonight Show of this you know world that they built. Um, I think it's called Tonight with Catherine Newberry. And she, it's also like, you know, kind of was a, she was a stand-up beforehand and, you know, has a comedy background. We, the, the opening shot of the movie is her winning a uh, comedy award and that type of thing. But she is now, they at this point, she is kind of jaded. She, she's she been losing in the ratings for 10 years now, and her ratings have been dropping at least for the last 10 years. Um, she's wanting, uh, the, the network uh, wants to replace her. And, um, she's kind of bitter, uh, bitter old lady at this point, not really old. She's like in her fifties, but bitter lady, um, who maybe sixties anyway, bitter. She, you know, she sees, uh, there's Pete Holmes plays a character in this movie as a comedian, um, basically tapped to be her replacement. And he, you know, he does like very stupid humor, um, as Pete Holmes kind of does sometimes it's basically, basically like an exaggerated idiot version of Pete Holmes. And so, her whole life is that show and she doesn't want to lose the show and her like writing staff is uh, comprised of all dudes and a lot of them are idiots too. And they don't have like, you know, like a lot of late night shows now have the, 
you know, like outside segments or like game segments where they're playing charades and that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. She has never done that because she's, you know, kind of she's old school in a lot of ways, like a Letterman and that type of thing. Letterman and Leno where they didn't do that stuff. And so she's having a hard time adjusting to all that. And because her her whole writing staff is all guys, they they want to have a diversity hire. So that's where Mindy Kaling comes in. Um, she plays Molly and she she's not a, she's not a writer. She wins like a contest. Um, so she's written stuff like essays and things like that, but she's not like a comedy writer. She's never written a script or anything like that. Um, but her idea, she, she won a contest through her work and her ideas were very good. And she was able to present to, um, someone high up at the show and eventually become a writer on the show. Now, the way that they have Catherine Newberry too, in this, she's like I said, very bitter and, and she's kind of just off on her own. She, the writers send her stuff and she just does it on the show type of thing. She doesn't really have her own voice. It's very just standard stuff. She doesn't talk about anything that she really cares about. It's just very, you know, very much like pop culture thing where she just talks about, oh, this happened, and then on, and and she doesn't really have, she's not very transparent. Um, She also, like, her staff, she barely knows any of her staff. Like, she's she never, like, met the writers or anything like that um, prior to this movie happening. She's just very, like, on her own, does her job, goes home, that type of thing. And so... As you can guess with how describing that, this movie once really kicks off once Molly, Minnie Kaling, comes in there because she's, you know, she has the fresh ideas. She has, she wants to st- change the status quo, and that's the type of person she is. So, and then, uh, you know, eventually with, with Emma Thompson, with Catherine Newberry, she, you know, finds out that her show is going to go away. Um, someone's replacing her. So she now is kicking it into high gear because she wants to keep it. And she, now she gets involved with the writers and things like that. That's like the, the main bulk of the movie. Um, and again, as you can probably guess, it's, a lot of her like growing and becoming a a better person, uh, becoming a uh, being able to to relate with people and um, get input from other people and have her views ha- have her views challenged on what late night should be and stuff like that. So there's a lot of growing there. Also, Mindy Kaling, um, she has um, she comes in like I mentioned, not a comedy writer. She has, she has to prove herself. And then there's also kind of like. Um, self-discovery because she's been in she's like worked in this factory for a long time so she's not really gone and branched out she's just kind of been in her own bubble so there's like that there's like a dual growing thing they kind of grow together and that type of thing um it's the movie itself is um i liked it i i wouldn't say like it was you know like the best movie i've seen this year but it was it was it was funny like it wasn't like book smart funny like a laugh a minute type of thing but there's jokes and the, the majority of them land. I think it was written by Mindy Kaling. So, um, you know, she's 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 funny. I've never been a huge fan of her, but I liked her the best I've ever liked her in this movie. Um, but a lot of her jokes are funny and stuff she's written I've liked a lot. Um, Emma Thompson does a really good job in, in this movie as well of, of playing this character who's, you know, kind of cold and, and grows and that type of thing. She, she also has some really funny jokes. There's some good stand-up in the movie, which is good too, because, you know, a lot of the, the writers in these shows... Um, in real life, um, come from stand-up backgrounds and do stand-up um, in their off time and stuff too, and and so that that comes into play. It's always fun seeing stand-up in that whole world in movies. Um, the whole late-night stuff in movies, like the the they show a little bit of the the, the behind-the-scenes stuff, obviously, because she, you know her show gets canceled. So it's fun to see that. I always I love a lot of the documentaries I watch are about you know entertainment stuff like that. I love seeing that, and so translating it to a movie and making it interesting and fun. I like that too. So I like the world they have around it. Um, they have some late night personalities and they're like Seth Meyers too. So they, they bring in those type of people. Um, but it's fun. It's, it's, uh, it's not, 
you know, it's not a super deep movie. It's pretty predictable. You know, I you can call a lot of those beats, you know, from from the moment it happens. You know, she's not going to be cold for the rest of the movie. You know that, you know, Mindy Kaling is is not going to be the same person the whole movie. So a, a lot of the stuff that happens, you can call, especially like the relationship stuff too with Mindy Kaling. I was like, okay, that makes sense. Um, and then Emma Thompson has, uh, John Lithgow plays her husband in this. And there's some stuff that goes on there. Like he's dying. Um, he has like Alzheimer's, I think. Um, so there's some stuff going on there. Again, a lot of it very predictable, but overall, I liked it. Um, I would say if we're going on our new rating, I would probably put it probably solidly between fun and like an excellent. It's it's got a little bit more to to it with with depth, but it's not like super deep. So I would say it's probably more fun than excellent, but I would put it squarely in the middle middle of those. Sounds right up my alley, man. Um, this is one I think I was intending to go to that early screening, but didn't make it. Um, yeah, you I, should definitely check it out. Yeah, um, when it comes out, I, I plan to, and I'm I'm a bigger fan of Minnie Kaling than you, also. So uh, really excited yeah. to see what she's got going on, and and I've not really gotten a chance to see much of of Emma Thompson, so uh, excited to check that out. And like just like you said, I, I'm also a fan of whenever you see stand up or behind the scenes in comedy in general or on TV. Uh, of course, Thirty Rock is one of your favorite shows. Like the um, that that behind the scenes stuff is something that I really enjoy too. So this sounds right up my alley. I'm gonna be checking it out. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think, I think, um, well, I'm glad to hear that it was, it's good because I was excited for it ahead of time. I, I don't know. I, I have a, I have a, I have a suspicion that, that we won't have, I don't know if any of our movies are going to be more highly rated than late night. I'll, I'll say that, but we'll see. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll be surprised by what your opinion is. Let's go to, let's do always be my maybe next, which is a Netflix original movie. Uh, stars Ali Wong, and uh, you're gonna have to help me with his name. Randall Park. Randall Park. Yeah. Park. Asian Jim. Hilarious as Asian Jim, and he's been in a number of other things. He's got a good turn in Veep, uh, and a couple other shows. And um, he is a down on his luck kind of schlubby, half-ass musician without any real ambition. And she is a high-powered like celebrity chef, um, but they grew up together, and they had a a will they won't they kind of thing when they were growing up and so now they're reconnecting after all these years and and kind of what happens is the movie um here's what i'll say about this one uh i really enjoyed the leads in this i thought they were fun um i thought that uh there there was a a cameo in this that you're gonna hear and i don't want to even spoil it (laughs) but uh there's a surprise cameo in here that is brilliant and is hilarious and then there's some decent side characters in here. They don't do much to go outside the regular structure of a rom-com, but it was enjoyable. It had some good jokes in it, and uh, I love the pairing of Randall Park and Ali Wong because I, I've not, yeah. I've, I've watched Ali Wong stand up. I have not seen her act in anything, and I thought she did a good job. Uh, and it was good to see Randall Park get more of a role than he tends to. I think he's often a side character, and mm-hmm. so the two of them I thought did very well. And it had some some pretty strong, um, had some feminist, uh, some feminist, you know, uh, undertones and some like uh, it, it's it's a lot about like Asian culture, which was cool to see that at the forefront, obviously. Um, but I, I would say in general, it was like fine. You know, I would put it squarely in that fun range for me where I enjoyed it, but I'm probably not going to watch it again and I'm not going to scream from the rooftops that it's great. Are, are you far from me on that? I think I might have liked it a little bit more than you did. Okay, I really liked 
<laughs> yeah, that cameo was fucking killing me. <laughs> there's there's a couple of, you know, there's a few moments where there's a couple of jokes that really landed for me. I, again, this wasn't like a laugh a minute type of thing, but there's definitely a lot of funny moments throughout it. I think, though, the, the thing that pushed it a little bit more, I think I might have liked it just a slightly bit more than Late Night. Um, so I'm, I probably have it oh, in between okay. again in between the excellent and the in the fun area is the the emotional aspect that is introduced at the beginning that comes around at the end mm-hmm. that i i loved that ending that ending was it was really great. was um, it was perfect and i I, te- I teared up a little bit for that one i liked it liked it a lot so i think that's what pushed it up a little bit more for me because they 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 hooked you in with the emotional part of it and they did a good job of so the way the movie starts is you see some like pictures of them more in current times and then it rewinds back to when they're kids and then it starts with them as kids and it sets up that relationship and there's a few like they go on a date and there's a few things from that date that come back later on in the movie and some references um to the beginning of the movie just overall with the families and stuff that come back later on and i thought they did a good job of of keeping that all straight and this was written um, by Randall Park and Ali Wong, and I think one other person. So, oh, wow. um, I see, you know, it was a very, it seemed like it was a very, you know, personal type of movie, and I could tell that they they put a lot into it, which was cool. I, I mean, I thought I just thought it was really well done overall. The performances were really good. Uh, some of the side cast, um, that one guy's from uh, Miracle Workers. Um, he, oh, I do like uh, him. That, I know I, yeah, I've never I known remember, his name, but I, do I like always him. forget his name. Yeah, um, he was in that. He he was in an episode of Room One Hundred Four. I really liked, um, and he was in. There's one other show that he was in that I love. Um, the the drummer for them too. That girl has been in a couple things, just random parts that she's she's pretty funny. Um, but yeah, overall the cast was great. Um, the the friend, the best friend of Ali Wong's character, mm-hmm. um, has been in a few things. She is hilarious. She she was killing me in this movie. But yeah, just overall, I just thought it had I had it, thought it had a ton of heart. I have I've realized I'm starting to enjoy more rom coms as well. So. Um, maybe maybe I'm becoming a rom com person. I don't know. Maybe you're just growing a soul. <laughs> I guess. But then I watch horror movies, and that's like you know you got to be soulless to love those things. So oh, I don't know about that. I have more soul than most people, <laughs> and I get. We'll have a, we'll have a debate about whether or not you have a soul later. I think, but I'm glad that you like this more than I. It's not like I said. It's I did. I, I had it, I enjoyed it, and I'm glad that other people are liking it too. I'm certainly not shitting on it. I don't really have any big problems yeah. with it. It just didn't blow me away. Maybe maybe I was just in a different mood or, you know, like because I woke up and watched this pretty much right away this morning. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just was in the mood for it, I guess. And I, I really, really enjoyed it. And that ending caught me, you know, in, in, the, in the feels. So I was like, you know what? Good job, guys. <laughs> that's that's a perfect way to end that review. Good job, guys. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Like I said, it was in between love it and or not love it. It was in between uh, excellent and, and fun for me. There you go. Uh, let's turn to one. I, I know I said we both saw three. In my head, I've seen Ma, but I, I didn't make it to that movie. I, so I didn't see it this weekend. Yeah. Um, but you did. And I, what I'm hearing is a lot of like wacky stuff uh, about this movie. So I'm interested to hear your take. Well, uh, this one, um, yeah, and I'll, uh, whatever, I'll just get into it. Um, so yeah, Ma, Octavia Spencer is a crazy lady who uh, um, buys alcohol for a bunch of teens and uh, basically word spreads that you can party at her house. She, she invites them all in word spreads. The entire high school goes and parties at her house. turns out she's a, like I said, a nut job and she like, she, she's, she stalks these kids and, and, you know, constantly messages them and you can see this all in the trailer. Um, and, um, kind of does some weird stuff with, with the kids and, and, 
the main group of kids, the 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 lead actress is I don't remember her name, but she is the the chick from Booksmart who uh, you know, gets some fingies in your in her butthole. So, <laughs> <laughs> but um, she she I thought I thought she does a a, a a decent job in this movie of of leading it. I I don't know if I'm fully sold on her being a lead actress just yet. She does a good job, you know, in both the movies. I liked her more in Booksmart, obviously. Uh, I thought that character fit her more because in that movie she's more of like the the bad girl and and that type of thing. You know, she's like mysterious, and she kind of has that look to her. Um, and, and in this movie she kind of plays more of the the um, more of a good girl and more of a. She, it seems like she hasn't been out like and about with friends, so she doesn't have a lot of friends, so she doesn't have a ton of experience with people, and she you know, kind of more of aloof, I guess. She is, her and then Octavia Spencer as Ma, she is, a, she is really good. She, you know, she, she does exactly what she's asked to do. She, she adds a really good, um, her, like, really good, her own flavor to it, I guess. She, she, she just has her own spin to it. She is a great, like, she disappears in this role. Um, she, she's great in everything she does, but in this role, she, she disappears. You can tell she was having a blast playing this character. Um, which is cool. It, it translates, and and it translates. And when she's on the screen, you know, I was really enjoying it. It almost had for me like because I liked her character. It did elevate the movie just a bit. Um, but I'll talk about that in a second. For like Penny Pennywise had that same has that same thing for me. Like he, uh, Bill Skarsgård, who he embodies that. He embodies Pennywise, and I love watching Pennywise. Like Pennywise is my favorite part of those movies. Uh, that movie, and then the next one. So I loved watching it. Same thing with like with Ma. She does such a great job in that role. Like I was almost rooting for her in a lot, a lot of scenarios. I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I like watching her do this. Kind of fucked up. But other than that, though, this movie is pretty much butt. <laughs> um, she. So the reason for that the 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 acting, other than those two, the chick from Booksmart and uh, and Octavia Spencer, the rest of it is bad. Like these kids are not great actors. Um, some of them are made not to be because you know they're they're dumb teenagers. But even the ones that are supposed to be serious or whatever, they are just bad. Um, the writing also does not help them at all. Um, clearly, like uh, Octavia Spencer is able to take that writing and you know make make chicken salad out of chicken shit in this movie. Um, <laughs> I've never but, heard but, that uh, before. <laughs> but uh, um, <laughs> now you got me off track with that one. I mean, just like they throw every every high school cliche you can possibly fit into a movie, they throw it in here. It's just so blatantly obvious. They're like, "Oh, that's probably what high schoolers do." Type, 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 and they just did that. At, like, the, like everything they could think of for a high school cliche, they just threw it in there. The, I mean, the characters make just really stupid choices throughout. I think too, like the movie has a lot of issues with what it what it wants to be. Like, I th- I thought the the con- like. So if you see the trailer, the trailer it is marketed as a horror movie, right? Like you've you've seen the trailer, mm-hmm. you would say that's probably a horror movie. Yeah, I was looking forward to it. It doesn't really turn into a horror movie. I guess it depends on what you define horror as, but the actual horror stuff doesn't really take place until the last probably half hour of the movie. So it's it's an hour and a half movie, hour and forty minute movie. M- majority of it is like a weird comedy. Ma is like creeping around a lot and stuff, but I'm never scared of that. Like I'm never scared of her doing that. Um, maybe it's because she's, you know, an older woman and there's like a bunch of kids and stuff. And she, yeah, she does some creepy things beforehand that are, you know, weird, but never scared of it. And I, you know, I thought, again, thought she was creepy, but never like the, oh God, creepy. I thought, oh, that's kind of funny or oh, that's good acting or whatever. Yeah, just like that. So it, it just has issues with that. Some some of the comedy was just like, why is that in here? It, it doesn't even fit like a dark comedy at times. 
it has a lot of issues. Um, I think when they do go into some of the horror stuff, it's kind of cool. Like it's pretty gory. Um, and, and it, it's different at times with that, but I don't know. It just, it, it this movie did not land for me in, in many, many ways. Um, I, so other than, again, like I said, Octavia Spencer and the chick from Booksmart, this movie was butt for me. I didn't, I didn't like it. Ouchie mama. Um, I, I'm, I, I'm not terribly surprised. I still want to see this one. Um, I need butt confirmation, <laughs> but also I'm still, I, I was still interested in, in the Octavia Spencer of it all. So I, I think I will probably still see it yeah. and maybe provide my opinion on a later episode, but I, I am not. And what you're saying is fitting in with most of what I've heard otherwise too. And I think Jared also did his review at Jared Buckendall. And so you can go check that out. We'll link to it in the description box. Um, and yeah, occasionally yeah. one of these comes out where an actor wants to kind of, Oh, let's give horror a shot. And, so they write the whole movie around that person and forget to make a decent one otherwise. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's that's the thing. It's like, I'm not mad I went to it. I'm not mad I bought a ticket. Um, but I don't think it's a good movie. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, without Octavia Spencer, this would be, for me at least, probably unwatchable. But she, do, she, does a, she does such a good job as this character, and I like watching her character, that I'm, you know, I, I'm not mad I went. Um, the other thing forgot the one the one other thing too that i can't stand with movies and one thing that that godzilla did uh as well is that they try to make someone who's clearly bad kind of redeemable mm. in a way that isn't redeemable like they do like they try and make you feel bad for for her throughout the movie because the reason like they show you the reason that she's doing this stuff and they try and make you feel bad by doing it and honestly i don't want that like, yes, you can give me a reason why she's doing it, but they continuously try to make you feel bad for it and make other characters look worse because of because of what they did to, to her in previous times, essentially. And and so that that's why she, you know, is doing this stuff. And so they try and make you feel bad, but like she's doing ten times worse shit, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And so it, it doesn't make sense. And Godzilla kind of does that in moments too. And for me it's just like okay. If you want, if you want redemption, fine. I'm down with giving you redemption, but don't make this person irredeemable first. <laughs> yeah, you know, yep. like make and also make the other characters who are like accepting of her, make them, I, I guess, make them have a good reason for it, or make them not idiots and be like, well, yeah, probably shouldn't trust them, but I think I'm gonna have to in this case. <laughs> like, like, like a lot of these characters in these movies where they do this stuff, they're like just fully like, yeah, they did that, but you know what? It's fine. Like, no, no. Like the mule had that problem for me. Oh yeah. Um, with, with, with Clint Eastwood where, where, you know, he, his family hates him for like all of his life. And then he does this one thing that's still shitty. And they're like, you know what? We love him. (laughs) So it's the same thing here. That's so annoying. And I can't stand that. And, and so that, that, that whole thing was that, that was kind of disconnecting for me too. They can't all be winners, I guess. I, I, I wish this had been good, but my hopes weren't terribly high. But it's good to know that I don't need to, I don't need to rush out to see Ma. I, I don't know that we're going to give a uh, rush out and see it now to this next film either. One, either. But uh, you are fresh out of it as we started this podcast today. The Godzilla King of the Monsters film. Uh, I saw this one yesterday myself. Okay, so if the movie sets up. Uh, Godzilla has been disappeared for five years since his Brian Cranston-led movie a few years ago. Godzilla's been kind of disappeared. No one's been seeing him. But um, the Monarch Corporation has been effectively like researching these, these other Godzilla-type monsters that are out there in the world. And they, um, 
have been like keeping tabs on them and they've set up these oh these these bunkers or like these these bases near all these monsters while they lay dormant and the movie kind of kicks off with uh when vera farmiga has invented this tool that allows them some some type of minor control over some of these monsters and so that's kind of the the begin the impetus of this movie um, but really like you did not come to Godzilla for the plot, right? Like you came for some big fucking monster fighting and some, some death and some destruction. And I think Godzilla delivers on that. Um, I, I saw this in IMAX. I think you might have too. And the, the, the Godzilla versus monster X parts of this movie, I worked well for me. I loved the big fights and the giant screams and the fucking fire coming out of the, the, uh, the, the Godzilla mouth and all that stuff. All the monster fighting worked for me. I think this could have been a 25 minute movie that only featured that. (laughs) And I would have liked it way more because every single time a homo sapiens was on screen, I was hating it. Like it was, I I came out and I sent a text to you and Jared. And I said, that movie was so stupid, but still awesome because of the, because of, (laughs) because of the Godzilla stuff. But to me, that is the distinguishing thing on this is like, the only way I can recommend seeing this is an IMAX and probably have some beer beforehand. But otherwise, like the Godzilla stuff delivered for me, all of the human stuff that is supposed to be driving the plot, I thought was completely asinine. And so I'm, I'm all the way down on this as butt, except it had some enjoyable stuff. Is that, I, I can't imagine I'm too much lower on it than you are. Oh, it's my favorite movie of the year. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, very, you know, very similar uh very similar thoughts to what you have uh there there is definitely i mean the story that's the thing that was like the 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 first godzilla that came out in 2014 i liked the story in that one like that that was i thought that was a good well put together movie uh i liked that godzilla wasn't out there stomping i almost said stomping box uh (laughs) stomping buildings um stop stomping buildings the entire time like you know, i thought they did a good job in that one of like because they didn't really show him in his entirety until later on in that movie i thought they did a good job I, it was like kind of building the the tension and again the story was good i enjoyed it this one the story was complete but <laughs> and like i didn't give two shits about that family um i didn't think millie bobby brown was that great in this movie Vera Farmiga was was fine, but her character choices were very dumb. Every Actually, all three of them. Every single yeah. character makes a thousand stupid ass decisions in this movie. Yeah. Oh, uh, and it suffers. Um, sorry, uh, this it suffers from that thing where like, how is it in a movie that spans the entire globe and is Godzilla, who's a thousand foot tall monster, that one character, and I'm talking about Kyle Chandler's character, can be so influential in the entire plot of this movie. Like he's always where he's supposed to be. And for some reason he's, so he's like recruited onto this Monarch team where he doesn't belong. And for some reason, by the middle to end of this movie, he's making all the important decisions. Like for, Mm -hmm. he's giving military people instructions and it doesn't make any fucking sense that he's in charge Mm -hmm. and everyone who's listening to him is stupid and he's making stupid choices and Vera Farmiga and Millie Bobby Brown are making stupid choices. Every human in here is an idiot who deserves to get stepped on. Uh, yes. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a brief spoilers too so that um just real quick here um just give it like a 30 a minute we'll say with so the vera farmiga thing and the, again to the ma point that i had earlier about 
uh, the redemption thing. So she makes the choice to work with the bad guys, and that decision to work with the bad guys kills bunches of people. Mm-hmm bunches of people like she's in a room where like 12 people 12 of her friends get shot that she's working with and so she's essentially the big bad in this movie and by the end of it um millie bobby brown and kyle chandler's character they forgive her they're just like all right you killed hundreds of people but we're you know we love you again what you what (laughs) and 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 they had gone and that's the thing too is like he forgives her they went through a terrible divorce um you know, like, you're, not only is that unrealistic that they're going to, you know, they went through their divorce and he's like, friends. Not only that, she's a fucking murderer mm-hmm. by, by proxy. And he's like, all right, I got you now. You're cool. Yeah. Like, ah, so dumb. So dumb. That, that, that shit right there is just like, okay, don't even go. Don't, don't, don't do it. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, this movie, uh, other than the monster fights, was, uh, was, was butt. Um. So yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's it. I mean, it it seems like a crime to even give this more time. But the whole movie, again, that 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 she has developed basically a device that allows some sort of control, and it's very vaguely defined, some sort of control over these monsters. And then they spend most of the movie chasing it around as it moves this machine she's mm-hmm. made. And so it's the entire movie based around this MacGuffin. When you fucking already you have Godzilla in this movie, why do I need two hours and ten minutes of this? Why, I don't need a family. I don't need a MacGuffin. Just give me fucking Godzilla and come up with some stupid reason for him to fight this three-headed dragon because that shit's awesome. And I would watch two hours <laughs> of just that, but they bloated it with all that other crap. It could have been a great 20-minute movie, I swear. Yeah, and they, they fucking make Godzilla dormant for half the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it just... Like, that, that's the thing. is the, the issue people had with the one 2014, again, was the story, but, like, it was more story-based. But they did the same thing, though, like... They had him kind of in the beginning and then didn't have him till the end. They did the same thing with this movie. Mm-hmm. They, they you know, had him at the beginning, had him at the end. Um, nothing in the middle. And, yeah, the fights were bigger and more fun. And that's, like, one people... That's a lot... Like, I've seen a lot of people say they like this one more than they like the 2014 one. And it's, like, they did essentially the exact same thing, same thing that they did in the last one. Just had a worse story <laughs> and had a few more big monster fights. Mm-hmm. Um, but they... He was gone for half of the movie, like, or more than half, like 75% of the movie. Why, why do you like this? Why? Yeah. Why do you like the movie? Like, why do you like it more than the one that was actually well-written and had a story behind it? I don't get it. Yeah. This movie stinks. What, what this movie does too, and it, I fucking hate, if you're not a Marvel movie, do not fucking sequel bait me. Like, that, I, that officially is a thing that so pisses me off. Where during the movie, oh, here are a couple lines that just might come on back later on in a future film. This movie wants so badly for you to know that King Kong exists in this version of Earth that mm-hmm. it is it is like eye-rollingly annoying by the end of this movie because every time every time they go to list like, oh, here are the monsters. There's monster A, monster B, and King Kong. Pause for 10 seconds while we stare at the camera. Now back to our <laughs> movie because it, it, they've already been greenlit for Godzilla versus King Kong. Oh, they they were filming it like I think they filmed them back to back, yeah. kind of like a Avengers. So that that'll come um, out, but like I don't even want to fucking see it next summer. Yeah, I, I'll probably still see it. I gotta watch Skull Island. Apparently, I never saw that because apparently, like Thomas Middleditch was in that one, and he was in this one quite a bit. Oh. Uh, a couple other characters crossed over and stuff. So I mean, it was planned for this to be all crossed over and stuff, um, but uh, it's still yeah, yeah, it's still but even so, like I don't know the whole. 
sequel baiting is a whole we could spend a whole other day on that but like the fact that they greenlit a trilogy of godzilla movies culminating in fucking king kong versus godzilla seems so stupid to me in 2019 but whatever and i'll i'll see it like i say i, I just want the big monster fights but bet your ass there's going to be some fucking white family that i'm supposed to give a shit about who somehow is working their way in between this fight between two thousand foot tall million pound monsters who crush cities but yeah, I'm sure one person who's probably played by some B-list actor from a TV show is going to have all the fucking, uh, all the the influence of it in the end. Well, it's it's basically the cast of this this movie that's in this next then this next one. Uh, Kyle Chandler and Tom, Thomas Middleditch and all that are in this. Oh, good. Next so one. exactly what I meant. Did you? Yeah. Did you see? Uh, and Millie Bobby Brown's in it too. Yeah. Did you see the post-credit scene of this too? Um, I saw the during credits where they basically were setting up Kong. No, yeah, no, there was, there was another post credit scene oh, okay. um, at the end. I'll have to have you tell me. You sat through the credits for this movie? Yeah, I did. Oh, goodness. You have more, way more patience. I, I ran I, from the theater as soon as the credits started. <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw, I saw, um, there's a Twitter account that I generally have disdain for, but this one kind of made me laugh. It's like one of those like film article things that like will take an article that has like film bait, I think is what it's called or something like that. And it'll take like um, articles online about movies that are kind of like clickbaity and like will tell you what what's in the article. And so it took three pictures of like the movies coming out this week. It was like Ma, Rocket Man, and then this. And it, all the all the articles said, does this insert movie line insert movie title here have a post credit scene? And so he did like see Rocket Man. No, but he didn't like list it. It just said like it had the three in order, Rocket Man, Ma, Godzilla, and it just said no, no, and yes. <laughs> and so I saw that. I just saw that it said yes to Godzilla, so I stayed. Well, I have, you have more patience than I do. So if you're going to go see this movie, if you already want to go see it, fine. Um, just know that it's not going to be, it's not going to blow your expectations out of the water and see it on something big and loud. Cause that I did, mm-hmm. I did really enjoy. So see it on a big loud screen. If you if you somehow have made your way to this podcast when this movie is not any longer in theaters, fucking skip it. I think because it's not really going to change your life at all. It's it's total butt, um, is what what both of us have said. So that's it for um that's it for our reviews this week. A little bit of a shaky weekend at the box office, but um, we have a lot of stuff yet to come this summer that uh, that we hope will deliver a little stronger. So. That, uh, that is going to bring us close to the end of the show. But before we go, let's leave you with one more thing. But I'm down to one more, one more thing. I'm going to be... I've gotten a lot of my, my hatred out of me um, from when I decided this was going to be my one more thing. So I'll be, I'll be quicker about it than I was going to be. Because um, I got to vent a little bit about Godzilla. But my one more thing is, dear Hollywood, please stop doing the following. Okay? Please stop doing this thing where you have a series of movies that has a title and and then it has a hero in it who who goes across all of those titles and then you make another movie where the title is that person's name fucking quit it like Logan did it with X-Men or with Wolverine a bunch of fucking movies happened with Wolverine in it and then the last one's just called Logan uh Rambo did it First Blood part 1 through part 4 and then John Rambo or just Rambo was the name of that fucking movie. They did it with... Rainbow Ra- Last Blood. Yeah, now there's Rainbow Last Blood. That's what, and that's what made me think of this. Uh, I, know you're, I know that you love this movie, but they did it with Rocky Balboa also. Why isn't it, yeah. why isn't it just Rocky Six? I don't fucking know. And now they're doing it Star Trek Picard is what this new one is called. You couldn't have just come up with a name. Just tell me the name of his ship, and it could have been that. 
but not like and it's always like the old ver it's like he's old now and so we have to title the movie just his name like if i was in a series of movies start like that was called you know like fucking uh, bloodbath and i was in bloodbath one through ten and then they made an 11th bloodbath just called cody that's so i it, <laughs> it's so fucking annoying and it drives me nuts it drives me more nuts than movie colon subtitle i would rather have movie colon subtitle which also i hate i would rather than i would have hey. just give me the fucking me and again if like uh what's that movie you saw with uh, julianne moore what's just gloria bell that's totally fine Gloria, because there's Gloria. there's not already 10 movies with a different title that I already know those. I already know that title. It's just, uh, that's I, mean, I have to stop because I get I get excited. But you know what I'm talking about. And it drives me nuts because and then it, if it's not even the last movie of the series and you have to come out with Rambo Last Blood now after you just came out with Rambo, which was supposed to be the last one. I just think they should stop doing that. <laughs> that's my one more thing. Wow, I don't know why. I, I don't. Dude, it pisses I, me I, off. I, I, I don't understand it. I really don't. It pisses me off. I don't. Because, like, I don't like understand if, why it makes you so if mad. If the next Mission Impossible movie was just called Hunt, that's the equivalent of what I'm That'd fucking be awesome. talking about. No, it would not be awesome because it doesn't fucking it was, work with the continuity of the rest what, of the movies. What if it was Mission Impossible colon Hunt? That would be better, but still I would hate it. I just don't, know, don't change the naming convention that you've always had. I think it's an inconsistency thing. And also it gives it this air of like, this is the epic, like it has to be, if I give you a little bit of a, of a forgiveness, if it's the best movie of the series, hands down, but it never fucking is, but it's, it's like what we're on now. It's, it's just the convention that everyone is, that everyone likes doing now for whatever reason. And they have been doing it for a number of years, but it, it's And it's always pissed me off, but I've never, I've never used a platform to talk about it. Now, now I have. I know you, you've you've had this uh, we've had this privately where you do that and I just kind of laugh and shake my head. Yeah, that's all of our uh, listeners are just like, all right, just let Cody finish up and and we'll we'll just yeah <laughs> we'll be done. You have you have these little things, especially with movies. Oh my god, you, dude! <laughs> that you get so worked up about, I just don't quite get it. <laughs> I don't. I, I'm generally an agreeable guy. All right, I'm a happy dude. I like to like things, but there are just these little fucking things that just get under my skin, and that's one of them. Well, the worst movie this year I got to see again, Booksmart. Um, oh, here we go. <laughs> I just had to do that because you're already at a high. So, uh, no, I did go see Booksmart again. That's my one more thing is uh, you've done it before. I'm going to do it as well. Go see Booksmart again. But in my second viewing, again, loved it uh, just as much, probably more, actually. And it did move up a spot in my, my rankings yeah! for the year. All right. Um, and... It's very, 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 very high in, in the rankings. Um, some would say there's maybe just one very uh, higher, but um, <laughs> but uh, no. So it's it's uh, it it did it actually jumped Avengers in my in my uh, my rankings yes. for the year. So um, it's very high up there, and uh, I love that movie, man. It's it's so so damn good uh, on all levels, and uh, go see it. Like, like we've talked about it many times, we're gonna name this the Booksmart Show because that's all we talk about is Booksmart. But it's it's one of the best of the year and one of the best in a long time. It's probably, um, I mean, I loved Eighth Grade last year, but and I don't know where I'd put them. Uh, I know you didn't like Eighth Grade as much, but it's. I mean, they're, they've done some really good things with these high school movies, kind of you know twisted them up a little bit, coming of age type stuff. They've done some good job, a good job of twisting some of those things up and making them still fresh and very funny and very relevant for today and it's uh 
it's good. I want to keep seeing these. I know we got like good good boys coming out later this year. That's a little bit more of a coming of age than high school movie, and and I think that's gonna be a little more crude, obviously. But I, I'm just like I like seeing this stuff. I like seeing these you know these coming of age movies really really be taken seriously and, and made um, in in today's landscape. So see book smart. See book smart. There's no better way to end it than just see book smart. But don't go see Rambo. I can't. I can't wait to see uh, the the sequel to Booksmart. Uh, it'll be be called Booksmart Two Colon Molly. It's gonna be great. Oh God, I hope that might be the only thing they could do to ruin that movie for me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, uh, shitty movie titles and uh, Booksmart this week and one more thing. But I'm down to one more. One more thing. That takes us to the end of episode number ninety-seven of the SoCo Show. Uh, don't forget to subscribe wherever it is you may be listening. And of course, if you're a regular, make sure you bring another friend to the party. Introduce us to a friend of yours uh, so we can help our audience grow. Uh, we tick- It's a key party. It is a key party. So yeah, they might not go home with you, but you can bring them. Make sure uh, that you uh, set your calendars. Three weeks from now, we'll be dropping episode number 100, which will be a big one. Got some fun announcements and things, and we'll probably do some extra shenanigans on that show as well. So uh, make sure you come back in a couple weeks for that one. But of course, we are here every week. Check out our sponsors, everything else, all the stories we talked about in the description box, uh, including timestamps for spoilers and things like that, which you've probably already gone past if you're listening to the end of the show now. But anyway, check out the description box. Uh, He is Seth Ott. I am Co-Livia Wilde, director of the best movie of the year, Booksmart. Uh, Go see my film, our film. And uh, come on back in seven days. (laughs) We will see you next week. Bye. Seven days. <laughs>